I was like, yeah. you need to craft this rocket launcher for us, Aaron. I'll do it for you if you can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got it, man. Jeez. Yeah, Alex's services is Destiny All's Star. A L L S. Alex's light leveling services. That's pretty good. Oh, I see. I see. I see why you work in marketing. Yeah, I was, I was about to say the exact same thing. <laughs> A bi-weekly podcast about everything games, film, and news. I am Aaron Juno. Who's next? I'm Aaron Juno. <laughs> Alex McCos- I'm Alex McCoslin. <laughs> Literally, I, he was started format. saying the thing, right. and then I was like, oh wait, who's in order? And I scrolled. <laughs> that is that is you. And I did it too late. <laughs> it's Let's just try it again. Motherfucker. Let's try it again. Hey everybody, welcome back to the forecast, a bi-weekly podcast about everything games, film, and news. I am Aaron Juno. I am Alex McCoslin. I'm Caleb Juno. I'm Chad McCoslin. I'm Jake John Fetterkyle. Mm. And I am Owen Patternline. Hello, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. On today's episode number 168, NFT games are, and I know we are all sad about this, on the chopping block. Oh. Mm. Bob Odenkirk stars in the remake of a cult classic while a real journalist learns and shares the history of civilization. And Blizzard considers adding a Sigma Puri Puri prisoner skin. It's gonna happen, boys. Plus, <laughs> Destiny 2 Raid Day is tomorrow. PAX East is in two weeks, and of course, we've been playing games. If you'd like to know more about what we do, you can follow us on our social channels, or you can check out our website, WeTheHorizon.com, where we have a ton of original content for you to browse through, including our multi-arc Starfinder adventure, The Discordant Signal, which has been wrapped up as of last episode. Additionally, everything we talk about is in our cast notes, which is pushed out to whatever podcasting app you are using. Let's get into it. First and foremost. I have a list. I'm not going to lie. This is not going to be the best list delivery we've ever had, but here we are. I have a list. Thank you, Owen, for providing this list. Yep, yep, yep. Um, The title of this list, importantly, Fake Bands, Real Songs, The 50 Best Tunes by Made-Up Musicians. Mm. There are some... I'm not going to go through 50 songs on this list. I'm going to go through the top eight. I know that's ridiculous. I normally do a top 10, but we're going to do the top eight. I think that's... But but then we won't get, you know, 5,000 candles in the wind from Mouse Rat or, you know, let's go to the mall (laughs) from Robin Sparkle. That is true. Or, or number 28, which I'm really upset about. Number 28, We Are Sex Bob-omb in Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Mm. I don't know why that's not higher. It's not as good as Garbage Truck. Garbage Truck. (laughs) Because Garbage Truck is an actual Beck song. Mm. Well, but doesn't Beck do also We Are Sex for Bomb or no? But but so here's the the difference is the fact that Sex for Bombs was never actually released by Beck. It's just a song he made Uh, for the movie. mm. Whereas Garbage Truck is a song Beck has released for Beck. I see. Yes. I like that. I know this because how I found this list to give to Aaron was uh, Edgar Wright tweeting about the position of 20 on the list <laughs> wow. and uh, amazing. yeah and also he was discussing how like um uh how sex bombs got there and how it was only done in one take and they kept it only on one take because they wanted to keep it raw 
and sounding like a garage band and things like that. Uh, and so that's how it kind of like came to be the way that it is. Uh, but yeah, so that's how all of this got found, though. Okay. Well, here we go. Number eight. Finest Girl from Popstar Never Stop Never Stopping. Has anybody Good actually movie. seen that? Oh, you have. Okay. Underrated. Man. Underrated, you think? Is that the um the Lonely Island movie? It is the yeah. Lonely Island. <laughs> okay, yeah. all right. Oh, there's a I didn't even know yeah. there was a Lonely Island movie. Wild. Uh, it's a mockumentary. I mean, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's excellent. Sure it is excellent. Uh number seven, we have Best of Both Worlds from Hannah Montana 2006. Oh yeah. That's about Guys. I is mean... that not just a Miley Cyrus song? Oh no, yeah, that's a Hannah Montana, Montana, Montana song. Is, yeah. is Hannah Montana not real? <laughs> no. Not at all. Fake. I don't know. I don't know. It feels like you're really blurring the line here. Yeah, that one I felt like really kind of uh, uh scooted on by, and I was like, yeah, I don't know. It seems a little weird. Uh, number six, we have School of Rock from School of Rock 2003. Oh, okay. Classic. Right. Yep. It's really hard to beat Jack Black songs in general. That's true. He just delivers. Man. He's a legend. And seen... Bowser. Does Tenacious D count? I was just about list? to say. Has anybody ever <laughs> so, seen Tenacious D in the Pick Tenacious of Destiny? Tenacious D of course. isn't on the list because Tenacious D tours as a real band. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. But it was like a, it spawned from the movie, right? Yes. Man, but they're they like a real band now. Yeah, but Sex because Bomb they as a real band, yeah, I think they, they awesome. counted as a real band. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, very weird. Very weird. A lot of the stuff. Uh, what's the name of the song from Scott Pilgrim? Is it "I'm So Sad"? <laughs> I'm so, sad, <laughs> I'm so sad. very, very sad. Yes, <laughs> freaking love that song. So sad. It's very good. It's not a race, number five. Guys. <laughs> Number five, we have It's Hard Out Here for a Pimp by DJ from Hustle and Flow 2005. I listen to that when I work out. Do you? Checks out. <laughs> Checks out. Uh, number four, we have Three Small Words by Josie and the Pussycats from Josie and the Pussycats 2001. Which, like, fucking great movie. Mm, like, solid movie. Uh, so good. Mm. I just got on the topic of um, celebrity crushes from your childhood with a group I went out uh, skiing and snowboarding with and like it really takes you back we start looking through the people that you you watched shows that they made in the in the 90s and 2000s whatnot um one of the guys there was like all right bros listen i know this is gonna sound weird but just hear me oh, out yeah. i was young then okay <laughs> my celebrity crush was cindy lou who <laughs> <laughs> all right yikes but cool yeah yikes but cool Yikes, but cool. Uh, number three, which I cannot believe this is not uh, number one, which is Shallow by Jackson, Maine, and Allie from A Star is Born, 2008. Mm. Yeah. It that's just incredible. incredible song. That's, that's like a real song. Three. It is like a real song, except not from a real band. Real songs, fake bands. Mm -hmm. It's just a Gaga song. I know. No, it's not, it's not a Gaga song, though. It's a Bradley Cooper song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, um, yeah, I guess. Uh, number two, uh, coming in just in second. Honestly, probably a good spot for it. Scotty doesn't know Euro Trip 2004. Mm. Solid. I thought, definitely thought that was a real song. I also really? thought this was a real song. This is what I discovered. It was from a movie. I was like, huh, I thought this was like an actual band. Mm. That was just like on the radio and stuff when I was a kid. Last but not least, we have 
at number one, That Thing You Do by The Wonders in That Thing You Do, 1996, starring Tom Hanks. Oh, wow. Never, yeah. never, never seen heard of that. I assume it's good if it's number one. It's his directorial debut about an early 60s group that has one hit before disbanding. <laughs> and that one hit wonder was on the top of this list. Anyway, uh, there's a whole bunch of other weird songs on here, too, that like it's I start scrolling through. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember when they were doing that in that movie. But what a strange list to put together. I'll take it, though. Fake bands, real songs, 50 best tunes by made up musicians. We'll put in a link so you can see it. On to the more important stuff on uh, news-related items. Apple, who, of course, with like 28% of the market share of mobile devices in the world, and always, always, always... Innovation, man. Yeah, well, they're, they're always, they don't need to innovate because they're just always using the most common cables available. Is it only 28%? It's only 28%. Honestly, incredible. Yeah. Isn't that That's crazy? Low. I mean, the thing is... Uh, Androids just everywhere else are just so popular. Yeah. And there's so many companies that make Android devices. There's one that makes Apple. Yeah. Yeah. So which uh, which company is that? Mm, what company is that that makes Apple phones? Hmm. iPhones? I don't know. Hmm, I don't know. That's a tough one. Uh, the Steve Job Corp. Yeah, Steve Job Corp. That's it. <laughs> yeah, go. mm-hmm. Good, good. Anyway, good, good. they have been uh making some updates to their EU release of the iPhone, which includes well, a brand new USB C port. Mm, mm, mm. More, more so. I don't. Let's backtrack for a second. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but EU has mandated that phone charging ports, like any phone that comes out in the modern era, uh, mm-hmm. is required to be USB C. Uh, so, like iPhone that. had to respond to that, and we have been eagerly awaiting. Most of us thought it was going to be just pure wireless charging. Just get rid of the port. Because, you know, that's what yeah. they've been doing with, with their design decisions. Because uh, they said something about, like, yes, we will comply with the order. And then people were like, they're just going to remove the port. Yeah. Because that gets around it. Yep. That would that would have gotten around it. Uh, but it's it's even worse than that. Um, of course they are it is. going it's to Apple. put a USB-C port on the device. Uh, but the thing is, is they're going to have a MFI cable, which is made for iPhone. And uh, all your speeds and everything are going to be the same as before. Like, nothing's really upgraded here. Uh, but cables with no MFI will be software limited in data and charging speed. Oh, my God. In charging speed? <laughs> yes. Okay, like, I can understand software because <laughs> how often do you actually connect your phone to a device? Mate, like, sure, to your car, maybe. Yeah. But charging speed? Yep, charging speed. How like how long do you think Apple's lawyers read through the details of this <laughs> everything has to be USB C rule before they were like, hey, hey. They just we got it, the finally. actual shape of the cable. Okay, but here's the deal. Here's my question. How slow is it gonna be? Because and maybe the article that which I should have read before starting this new <laughs> segment uh, <laughs> explains. But if it's like minimal difference the third party cables it's really not going to matter and then also usually you charge overnight or like you're on the cable while you're sitting at your desk or something and then when you go out that's when you're using batteries right yeah. i mean that's how i kind of operate like right now my phone's off the charger and it's uh 87 so i don't need to put it on but if i started to see it dying got a cable right next to me just throw it on but is it an apple sanctioned probably... good cable 
So like they have what they it's consider not. quote unquote fast charging, right? It's like you can get your phone to like 80% in like 15 minutes or something. Mm, yeah. So it's probably like that will be locked out. Yeah, I've, I've never had that experience of like, man, I've got to get out the door in 15 minutes and my phone's at 1%. So I, I don't think it'll matter. But I think it's, I think it's a decision. It is a design decision that uh, Apple, Apple would make. Even if it I doesn't matter, though, it it'll be like in people's heads like, oh, I don't have the good one, though. I need the good mm-hmm. one. True. Yeah. Alex, as we're talking about this, I can tell you're in a nightfall because your no. camera colors are changing so dramatically. <laughs> no. So much red a second ago. Oh, my like it was dying gosh. For a second. You what were like leaning over you like, yes, I'm sure Apple will be Chinaba. So are... <laughs> Are you basically saying that people are going to be like me when I got the Steel Series uh, mouse and uh, Travis and I compared maximum DPI? <laughs> yes, exactly. And he had sixteen thousand DPI, it's and I necessary. contacted support uh, after I could only get up to ten thousand. And I said, "Why don't I have the capabilities of getting up to sixteen thousand DPI?" And the guy replied to me, "I'm curious what game you're playing that you need sixteen thousand DPI." It's not. That's not the. I point, was like, the, point. It's the principle." <laughs> Did I you say don't? I was playing a game? What was that? Gosh. Did I say I was playing a game? Uh, no, dude, yeah, I'm just browsing the web, dude. Yeah, <laughs> it's really Excel. Do you know how fast I need to move between those cells? Mm. Mm. I've got a 12 monitor setup. Okay, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Absolutely. All of them are axes. Yeah. I think it's interesting because um, the EU has like a pretty serious like uh, rights repair law, and it like it, it's very different than what we have here, which is like a lot of times why it's really difficult to make adjustments or modifications to your iPhone or Android devices because we don't have the same right to repair rules that they do. I think that's why specifically they're able to enforce USB-C like on every device that's produced because they're they're moving towards this sort of like circular economy by 2050 thing where they don't have a lot of excess, not a lot of waste. It's just so different here, which is why we are still on a freaking lightning cable. I would rather have slowed speeds with this (laughs) USB-C MPCTI or whatever it is. Then then you can actually know that people around you are going to have the charging cable of your phone because it's all universal. Yes, it's awesome, man. You get a phone charger and it's like, yeah, but like, what kind? Have you seen that TikTok with those guys like, hey, you got a phone charger? Yeah, here it is, lightning cable. Why, mate? It's like 27% of all iPhones or all uh, mobile devices in the world. Crazy. Uh, What I don't get about the USB-C enforcement is like what happens when USB-D comes out or whatever it is. I mean, USB-D is already here, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, do you think they'll make that adjustment that fast? Because USB-A has been out for a long, long time and it took a... took quite some time for them to even move to micro in the world of like mobile electronics they've gone from like mini to micro to usb-c over the course of a decade right yeah but i think this change was pretty serious right because all of the other usb cables have one direction they're you know single direction plugs whereas usb-c is two direction plug and then I feel like they took a long time making this standard so that they could yeah. capitalize on that and keep well, it the same for a while. Here's the next question. Well, is there going to be any budget for R&D to get better cables now that this is If it's in place? like, yeah, mandated that you can't use anything but USB-C, who's going to invest in making anything better? Hmm. So, like, do we just 
stump ourselves as a society because of the EU? That was that was my next question, actually. Interesting. Like I was just looking, USB 1.0, which is the A, the one we all know, mm -hmm. is a 1996 debut product. Ooh. A long time wow. ago. Right. So if you think about it, like USB C. I was two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. <clears throat> Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah uh you know like usb-c was i think is like a tw 2008 2010 somewhere in there so i mean that's still 12 years between those and we've had the usb-c for a long time and i don't i don't, I don't know that we're limited really in terms of like speed or charging capacity on the usb-c currently they keep, they keep making the cables better so as long as they keep using this port and with the number of devices that are using it i don't, I don't think they'll make that change that fast or Anytime in the near future. And when they do, people will be moving to new phones anyways. I mean, you guys, everybody here probably upgrades their phone once every other year, I would guess. Oh, no. No? I mean, I've got an iPhone wonderful. 8. The, Are the there iPhone... two camera lenses on the back of that phone? <laughs> iPhone SE 2, yeah. I think this is. This thing is like a several years old. Heck yeah. Love it. I, 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 I got keep asked my SEs the other day. for a while. You know, like, I, I don't upgrade this thing often. Yeah. We upgrade, we're in the iPhone every year program, so we upgrade every year. And I was asked the other day what iPhone I had, and I was like, ah, uh, ah, uh, whatever the latest is. <laughs> I don't even think about it anymore. It's crazy. They, they man, they make a lot of money. Apple is so mm -hmm. wealthy. Uh, let's move on from Apple because we don't need to talk about Apple anymore. It's not, it's not important. <laughs> film world. Let's talk about a few things in film world. Movies. Uh, Bob Odenkirk. Mm -hmm. He's been doing some lines in a new film. Well, He's not a new doing film. Some lines, huh? It's an old film. Yeah. <laughs> not those kind of lines, Alex. <laughs> Look, man, I know what you're gonna do before the raid tomorrow, but we don't need to talk about it on the podcast. Uh, okay. G fuel. Uh -huh. no, yeah. Bloody nose. Great. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, um. Yeah, Bob Odenkirk, uh, acting in The Room remake, a cult classic, fantastic film. Jake, yeah. you want to talk, talk about this I, I mean, that's that's kind of the long or the short of it. There's honestly not much details in this article, just that, like, apparently they filmed a remake of The Room, and Bob Odenkirk starred as Steve Room. I don't remember the main character's Steve name. Room. <laughs> oh, Steve Room. I'm pretty, <laughs> I feel like that was his name. <laughs> But also, according to this article, Tommy Wiseau doesn't know about it or oh. didn't know about it. I guess he knows about it now. <laughs> oh, and boy. like, I feel like that's probably is that that's... legal? Can you just like remake someone's movie? I guess it depends on who has the rights to it. Yeah. yeah I feel like Tommy Wiseau wouldn't have even bothered mm -mm. with it. Yeah. Right. Like he would have just made it and been so... like, no, it's my movie. <laughs> He'd say it like that, too. He would. <laughs> he would. What is the point of remaking that movie? Are, are they know. intentionally making it bad again? Or are they making because it better? Because that's why people like that movie. I don't, genuinely, I don't know. There's a still from the movie, and it looks terrible. It looks oh, awful. Yeah, it's, it's got does. the same horrible set. <laughs> it I looks so I mean, bad. They look like clouds floating over the top of like a rooftop set. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. I mean, did anyone see um, The Disaster Artist? I didn't. It was sort of like uh, 
pseudo documentary oh, also yeah. about the room i feel and like that's I mean, what you do with a property like yeah, that i thought it was mm-hmm. i thought it was really good i really enjoyed it um i don't know i'm also curious to see what a room remake would be like i mean i i'm dying to see it i gotta know i gotta know <laughs> i'm sure it'll land just like the original mm-hmm. just everybody will love it who's seen the original <laughs> I mean, I very excited. I I love Bob Odenkirk. I mean, I think Who he's doesn't? a phenomenal actor. Yeah. This is a weird role for him, but I'm glad he did it. it we'll we'll I, see what it turns out to be. <laughs> I bet he nails it. I bet he's amazing. Um, yeah. Sure, he does. Another note we should talk about in film world: um, a huge BBC-like documentary that came out recently. With the journalists really uncovering the actual origins of civilization. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Super solid. Caleb. Really I, figuring what, stuff out, she is. What is what is who is Philomena Kunk? Yeah, so Kunk on Earth is a Netflix show, recent one. And it follows Philomena Kunk, a reporter who man, she is so dumb. <laughs> it is absolutely <laughs> hilarious. And she interviews people, and I'm pretty sure the people that are being interviewed don't know they're in a mockumentary. They mm. think that it's like an actual documentary. It is phenomenal. I love that. Yeah, so it's a British-made mockumentary. I didn't actually say that. About just the history of humanity. Mm. It's like highly five accurate. episodes long. Oh, very accurate. <laughs> I mean, the interviewees are like really into it, explaining sure. real stuff. But yeah, no, it's are her questions like super misdirected or just like way off course, though? Yes, okay. often. Yeah, mm-hmm. like this one part, she insists that Beethoven was dead, not deaf, because that's how it's written in the, in the producer's notes. <laughs> Excellent. No, no, he's dead. He's yeah. dead. If you're not a fan of like. Some dumb humor. Maybe you won't like it. But it's also got some, some pretty highbrow humor, too, in it. It kind of runs the whole gamut. Is this, a, is this a series or is this a movie? It's a series. It's like five it's episodes, I think. This has a Not 100% very on Rotten Tomatoes right now, by the way. Oh, dang. That's pretty nice. high. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I know about this show is that they're like big fans of the 1989 Belgian techno anthem, Pump Up the Jam. <laughs> yes, I mean, well, what a good song. You gotta watch pump the show, and then you gotta look at the original YouTube video for Pump Up the Jam, and just see all the comments. It's excellent. Mm-hmm. Love that. Love that. <laughs> uh, okay. Owen. Yeah. Do you love Antonio Banderas? You know, I fucking love Antonio <laughs> like, Banderas. What's your favorite Antonio Banderas film of all time? I mean, Zorro? Yeah, good choice. Zorro. Zorro is 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 the answer because he's so good at it. I mean, Scorpio is also really good, but I you you're forgetting the most important one. Is it is it the new Puss in Boots movie? Because it's no. also the new Puss in Boots movie. I mean, that's a good one. That's a good one. But you're forgetting the most important one, which is 2001 Spy Kids. I was oh, gonna wow. say Spy Kids. Oh, Spy Kids. So Get good. It's a classic. I forgot he's in that freaking classic film. It's great. Ah missing it but anyway uh, puss in boots 2 yeah recent release right did you go watch it uh yeah no i i just i watched it uh, a couple weeks ago with my girlfriend uh and uh i would have to just like i have to like just start ringing alarms because this movie is so fucking good like 
I wasn't expecting this to be good. We watched like all of the Shreks and all of the Puss in Boots in like one weekend. And of course, like, you know, you get past Shrek 3 and the quality starts going down. Mm. And like Puss in Boots was kind of like meh. And but then Shrek this 3, one, still very good. Still <laughs> top notch. Like, and, and so then there's like this and we're just like, all right, you know, like we'll watch it. And we're like, hey, this is like ridiculous ridiculously good like unbelievably so and through the entire movie my girlfriend and i are just watching it and we're just like wow this looks absolutely amazing the art style is just breathtakingly beautiful it's like nothing else you've seen it's so pretty and the plot is really good it's a heartfelt fucking message i'm weeping at the end like i'm watching a goddamn pixar film and i'm just like what what is going on because I went in thinking that this was going to be utterly garbage, and we ended up being like, if this doesn't win an Oscar, like, just, just, just flip a table, man. Like, something is wrong. This deserves an Oscar. Wow. That's, so, yeah. That's, no one man, I, I, I just, <laughs> I, I just, like, I just need to let people know, do not sleep on this. Go watch it wherever you can. It's it's way better than you think it's gonna be. Okay, ninety five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I've heard best a lot Shrek of good movie? things. That's it. Best Shrek movie. <laughs> no answer. <laughs> I've heard a no lot answer. of good things. <laughs> I mean, I had like the internet's going crazy about that. Uh, when it first came out, it was <laughs> almost like it if was all over my homepage on Reddit. And if it's was, Oscar like, worthy, I think by default it has to be the best Shrek movie, right? I mean, if there's no <laughs> Shrek, that. is it a Shrek movie? Mm. Oh, Shrek that's first. a great point. What if you just see like Shrek a blur of green in the background? Yeah. You just assume that's it's Shrek. in the background. <laughs> you just hear Donkey. Donkey. <laughs> uh, Puss in Boots is not the only movie you saw, though, recently. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, also, in that weekend of just watching a fuck ton of movies, we saw Ant-Man. <laughs> mm. We're real busy. Um, don't see Ant-Man. Wow. Skip that. Go ahead. I mean, that the trailer didn't look incredible. Not gonna lie. And also, this current phase of Marvel is like really bad. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, we're on phase five now. Okay, this mm. is a different phase. Wait, 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 wait. This starts a new. If this phase? is the start of phase no, no, no. five, it's no, no. pretty bad. <laughs> uh, uh, Wakanda Forever was the start of phase. Oh five. yeah, it's pretty Man, bad. Phase four was just an absolute dumpster fire. Oh, what happened? You are not wrong. So are we? Are we just not doing Avengers movies anymore? I thought that was like the thing. Was you had an Avengers, you had a bunch of these little movies, and then an Avengers movie, and that was how you ended a phase. Sometimes you had a Spider-Man movie at the end too. For some reason, <laughs> that was that was apparently only for the Infinity Gauntlet storyline of things. Well, they were moving... the Infinity Saga. Sorry, that's what they call. But it like, why days. why even call it a phase if you're not going to bookend it at all? Now, now right. it's just movies. It you can't call it a phase. Well, phase four is like a transitional phase. That's I mean, nothing. They... That's garbage. <laughs> did they bookend phase one or phase two of Marvel? Like, they, does I it mean, have a we... culminating story? They had Avengers. The Avengers. Yeah, you had Age of Ultron. At and the then Age of, of Ultron. And then Infinity Wars and a Spider-Man movie. And then Endgame. <laughs> All right. Like, each of them... Like, I get that, like, Age of Ultron was kind of a nothing movie. But it was, hey, the gang's all here. It was, like, a big movie. And you were like, oh, wow. It's, like, big. It's a big movie. All the actors are in it. And yeah. now it's just like, oh, the last one in this one is, um... 
you know, I don't know, The Eternals. That's our big <laughs> one this time. Yeah, yeah that, that was a Gang of All Here movie. Different gang. Yeah, but they invented they a whole new gang. gang. Yeah, <laughs> new gang. You can't invent a whole gang and then be like, "Look, we got all your favorites <laughs> together." Uh, yeah, like I, I was just I, I went to see it because I, unlike uh, some other people in this cast, and I respect their decisions, even though I think that they're wrong. Um, <laughs> I, I like the the Ant Man movies because it's like it's a nice, fun comedy, and it's also low stakes. It's mm-hmm. like hey, we're just going to do some hijinks around a city, right? No one's having a beam of light. There's no beam of light. There's, there's no, no world ending. Beam. Yeah, there's no like world ending plot device. It's just kind of like shenanigans. So beam of light is the deciding factor on what's like large scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, name that, one I, big movie that doesn't have a beam of light. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you can't. It's impossible. Uh, I mean, and you you're not wrong though. Like it, like it's a very lighthearted version of a Marvel film. Like it doesn't really feel heavy. Even the like the first two films, I love Paul Rudd, Michael Pena. I mean, they deliver, mm-hmm. and you don't. It's just like light comedy. Like I, I didn't really have high expectations for the first movie, second movie, even less high expectations. So I'm kind of like in that same ballpark for this movie. If I go watch it, knowing that, am I going to be disappointed? Uh. I mean, yeah. A there, there's no, there, there's no Michael there. Like you know, like all of his his buddies are. There's no Ant Man buddies. Mm. Which trying to make Ant Man like bigger time, right? Yeah, like I Being more I integral to the story. I understand the purpose of this film because it's like, hey, he was the guy that was fucking around in the quantum world, so you need him to talk about quantum shit. Like that's it, it is a natural progression of the story and him. And I was like, okay, cool, I get that. But the problem is, is that when you're making it so epic and so important, and it's like, hey, here's the here's the big bad of the of the next phase, and we're introducing the big bad, and like oh. this is kicking us all off and everything. I'm just kind of like. I don't, I don't I mean, care. He's like, the small like they, bad, right? Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to go in for that that fun, you know, local small kind of movie, and instead I'm getting something that's very like, uh, I mean, there's there is a scene in that that I looked over at Allison and was like, if you didn't have Paul Rudd in this, I swear I'd be watching Star Wars. Like mm. the the costuming of the characters and the costuming of the heroes in that that scene are just so Star Wars like that I could not tell. The lightsabers and the force I mean, that they use, you know. Is it, <laughs> don't you, you is like Star Wars, Star Wars though, right? I do like Star Wars. And and I don't think it's wrong, but I think it's like if you're going for Ant-Man and then you get Star Wars, you're like this isn't what I was signing up for. This mm. is different. Mm. Well, so that was kind of the. Uh, I'll probably still see it at some point because until I, I, I decide mean, to stop watching any Marvel movie, I have to keep up with all of them. Again, Alex, actually, every time you talk, it's like this. I'll probably still see it at some point. <laughs> as red is just on your face. <laughs> what what if you seem so angry? Bruce Wayne? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> Uh, I will say the the one just absolute best part of it is um, Jonathan Majors. Jonathan Majors acts so good in that movie that, like, just go see Jonathan Majors act. It's so fucking, like, I would recommend seeing it solely for that. I he heard... just does that good of a job. Mm. 
I heard he's incredible in Creed Three. Like I, that maybe, I haven't yeah. seen Creed Three. Yeah, it is. Maybe that that oh. he's also super good there. But like that that man can act so well that mm-hmm. I want to see everything that he's ever in because it's just so good. And so to have him as like, hey, here's the reoccurring big bad for the next Marvel thing. I'm like applauding because I cannot wait to see him show up more. I am eager to see him show up more. I am like, yeah, this is going to be a good villain. I'm excited for this arc. I am excited to see him be this villain. Like, this is going to be so good. It just sucks that this is the movie to start all of this off with. It's like, oh, yeah. All right. Well, I mean, hopefully they recover. They can only go up. From phase four or phase yeah. five. What was the last phase? Four? Four. four. Yeah, yeah they you can know, only go up from there. If they kind of like came out and announced that they were just exploring different stories, nothing was going to connect, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like phase four could have been interesting and cool if we got like mini stories and that was like what they were going for. But they never really said anything. And they said it was yeah. a phase. So it just all mm-hmm. seemed to like it should have connected and it didn't. And it was just weird. Well, it's also yeah. like you think about it. I mean, like the the Infinity Saga is probably one of the most recognizable Marvel properties as far as like the characters who are involved, the mm-hmm. story arc that's involved. And then when you get when you get done with that, when you when that is like capitalized on and completed, where do you go from there? Because like there's not a lot of giant story arcs you can do that are as captivating as that one is. So I kind of I think they just throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks. And I think that's kind of what they did is they did exactly that. It was just like, mm-hmm. hey, here's the phase where we're just going to, like, throw some shit at the wall. We're just going to play around. We're going to just, like, make some kind of whatever movies and see, you know, we'll see what people like. You know, we'll we'll cap off some characters. So that way you kind of have some resolution uh, of, you know, like, what what's thor's ending gonna be okay cool here's a thor ending you get you he becomes a dad there you go he's he's daddy thor now like so like i feel like it was just kind of some of that stuff was just like let's just kind of put a couple things in in the the back burner to kind of wrap some stuff off uh some stuff up and also like you know get some entrees out see if anyone's eaten any of the hors d'oeuvres uh before we kind of like get into the meat and potatoes of like what will be the next multi-arc kind of thing they also got edgy and like titled the movie one thing and then made another main character the main character of the movie so it's like it's cool stuff cool stuff like you're referencing something else as well (laughs) can't quite place it Mm, it'll come to me Mm. you must be talking about that scarlet witch movie yeah yeah, i don't know why dr strange was the main character of that one (laughs) um one other thing i wanted to mention speaking of uh, uh just really good content that's been adapted um the last of us i was recently reading an article about how it's the highest rated video game adaptation of all time and this is a average imdb rating between the game and the series that was that has actually been made well, that, that must not be counting the Assassin's Creed movie, right? Well, because that's that excluded because it's so much better it's so than everything good. else. Right. Yeah. What about Mortal Kombat? What about Sonic? <laughs> okay, Sonic, so people do like Sonic. That's really I, I do want to go this just like real quick. I know I already did a list, but I just want to like walk you through this real quick so you can understand list. the top 10. It's the oh second list. Gosh, two lists, one podcast. What is this? Well, I didn't know this before, and I was like. I was Googling while we were talking, like, all right, how am I going to transition this? I was like, oh, what a good list. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I know, this segue is amazing. 
isn't it? All right. So importantly, we'll just go 10 to 1 here. Obviously, you know, The Last of Us is number one, so that's not as important. But Legend of Zelda is number 10. Apparently, there was a 1989 Legend of Zelda. I did not know this. Um, Mass uh, Effect, which has Mass Effect five. Paragon Lost from 2012. Is that an animated movie? It must be. It no is rated a 5.8 on IMDb, so it can't be great <laughs> while the game yeah, is holding sure it at 9.1. Yikes. Number nine, uh, tied for number nine also is Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, there it is. Okay. Uh, also tied for number nine is Earthworm Jim. Oh, yeah, oh. dude. There was they an made an Earthworm Jim, Jim movie. <laughs> yes, it was. 1995. Um, number eight, Gangs of London. They made a 2020 film, Gangs of London. Uh, Wait, that's based on a movie or a game? It is based on a game from 2006. Yes. Huh, okay. Uh, number seven, uh, Dragon Age Origins, because they had Dragon Age Absolution last year. What? What? Poor, what? Yeah. Poorly rated, 6.4. It's a Netflix show, right? I think it was a Netflix show, yes. What? I love Dragon Age, and I've literally never heard of that <laughs> in my entire life. Uh, well, I mean, check it out. Dragon Age uh, Absolution, 2022. Sounds like don't check it out. Yeah, a six point I mean, four is not great. <laughs> it's pretty uh, bad. Number six, number six is Tron. It makes sense. Tron Uprising, mm. absolutely phenomenal film, two thousand twelve. Number five, I don't know that I necessarily agree with this, but we'll take it. Halo Combat Evolved and Halo, the twenty twenty two series okay. that they put yeah, out. Rating that good? They rated I mean, it as seven point one, but Halo Combat Evolved is so high that it that'd... offsets. So the average is like a seven point nine five. Don't you you get to see Master Chief's butt in that show, right? <laughs> That's what I've heard. Is that actually? Ten, I mean, yeah. ten out of ten. I don't. I don't oh see why anyone would rate that low. Are we doing worst video game adaptations? This is the best, best video game ad. It's it's the but best. It's based best on an average. average. It's based on an average between the mm. game and the show. All right. So, so it has to be a good game to begin with. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, like even num count. number four. Number four. This makes sense. Castlevania. Okay, good. Oh, sure. Castlevania, yep, yep, yep. 2017. It's uh, its average rating is 8.05 across the board. Number Here's three. What... Sorry, can I just? Well, yeah. yeah. So when you when you do say something like Castlevania, there's like a billion Castlevania games. <laughs> Original <laughs> Castlevania 1986. Okay, because okay, like I had the same question for Sonic, because like early Sonic highly rated, new Sonic, Sonic badly yep. rated. Okay, yeah. gotcha. True. I think most of these are based on like the first implementation the first. of whatever that is. Okay. Okay. Cool. 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 Um, number three, League of Legends, Arcane, absolutely uh, phenomenal oh, show. Yeah, sure. So that checks out. Yeah. Uh, number two, everybody probably could guess this, The Witcher. Oh, yep. Above Arcane, that's weird. It's because the game is rated so much higher. Because League sucks. Okay. Yeah. Because League sucks. Sorry, everyone. Yeah. But importantly, like the it's League, no uh, The Witcher at number two, its average rating is an eight point three. The Last of Us, the game rating is a nine point seven on IMDb. The adaptation is a nine point one on IMDb, which mm -hmm. is a nine point four overall. So it's a whole percentage point or a whole point in front of the witcher the witcher's tough too right because there was a, a witcher one that basically yeah. nobody liked true witcher 2 got like a cult following and then witcher 3 was like the biggest game that came out in whatever year oh, it yeah. came out like it's true. massive now is but it like the first based one, on the witcher 3 this list? it is based on the first one 2007 okay. Okay. really weird yep. and it, it has an 8.5 on imdb wow that? higher than i thought it would be yeah mm -hmm. But anyway, I 
first of all, I love Pedro Pascal. I just started watching this series. I freaking love it. It's super well done. And and the cool thing to me is I really like when we have um like I have crossovers with people that don't interact with either video games or tabletop RPGs and all of a sudden something comes out and they have like this common ground of something they can talk mm. about with me that they wouldn't normally talk about. Yeah. Uh so that. this is one obviously. I'll talk to the, me. The new Dungeons and Dragons movie that's coming out. I've had multiple mm. people mention this to me that don't play Dungeons and Dragons or anything like it. They're just like, oh man, I know you play something like you play D and D, right? Like, oh, this is pretty cool, right? I mean, like, are you excited about this, Chris Pine? Blah, blah, blah. It. I like having those conversations because it makes my worlds collide, and that doesn't mm. happen very often because most of the time when people make an adaptation, it's it's not great. It's not like to the highest of high tiers, which is like the Assassin's Creed movie, which is why that's not even on this list. <laughs> mm-hmm. Too good. I'm yeah, surprised I mean, just... the Dead or Alive movie isn't on this list, to be also honest. Too good. Honestly, Mortal Tekken Kombat, adaptation, good. probably the Tekken. best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Street like Fighter? <laughs> Where's Wait, which, which Mortal Kombat movie? Yeah, that's what I really want to know. It's the first one? The, the f- newest one. It's got to be the first one. Newest there one. There you go. Boring. Do they yeah. consider Edge Runners <laughs> an adaptation because it's a side story? Uh, probably not. That isn't, that isn't like a direct, I mean, did it's a side story. Though. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it would count, right? I mean, like, cause the Witcher also, the games, yeah. as far as I know, don't tell the same story at all. Same character, there's, I guess. There's some okay. similar questing, but yes, you're on a kind of different, it's a different retelling of the story because like, there's definitely different things of like the wild hunt is like shows up in the Netflix show, but like is like more prominent of a thing in the games. So like, I mean, now that I think about it a little more, right, that it still follows Geralt, right? Whereas yeah. Edge Runners, you're V in the game, and this is about you know completely, completely V isn't different. even involved at all, right. and yeah, neither is right. Johnny Silverhand. Like the two most important characters aren't don't exist. So that's fair. Uh, the last thing I'll say about this Last of Us is that it has also the highest search volume per month. Over any other game in the, or any other adaptation of a game in the year it was released. So they average about 301,000 searches, uh, whereas Cyberpunk Edge Runners, which is number two, gets 246,000. So clearly people are excited to watch this show. And I don't know. I just, I really like, again, that there's this like crossover between groups of people that don't normally play video games. We can talk about something that's totally unrelated, that they're not even like, this is not something they'd ever touch. I'm like, sports! I'll talk to them about <laughs> sports, but they don't talk to me about tabletop RPGs or video games or anything like that. Now we have that we have that opportunity, so sure. it's fun. I Very feel fun. like it's fu- it's funny for me, because I, I like, I guess I'm like a closet nerd at work. I don't usually talk oh, about no. that kind of stuff at work, just because like, I feel like the reaction is either going to be, I don't know or care about that, or bad. So I'm like, I just won't bring it up. So then like when my coworkers are like, oh yeah, I was watching The Last of Us. I had to like not go, oh yeah, I played that like ages ago. Because like, you know, then my secret would be revealed. Yeah. And I'd be laughed out of the room. You say that and they just instantly shun you. Is that the fear? Yeah, that's the fear. They're like, wait, you played the game? nerd. So throw up on their computer and then I get fired. Then they all push you to the ground and kick you. (laughs) <laughs> this checks out. I, last night I was at a poker night with some guys. They do not play video games. They do not play tabletop RPGs. The furthest they've gone into a board game is, and they call it Catan. <laughs> uh, so like, that's as far as it goes for them. 
And mm-hmm. I just casually brought up, we were talking about series and somebody said, well, how about, has anybody seen The Last of Us? And they're like, multiple, and we're like, oh yeah, we're on like, we're, I think episode eight just dropped. And they're like, have you seen it? And I'm like, no, but I played both the games and I freaking love them. They're the best narrative in a game I've ever played. And so of course, to them, it's like, you, you would think their reaction is immediately, what a freaking weirdo. <laughs> played nerd. the game? <laughs> Gosh, nerd. But really, honestly, they, I, I don't get that experience anymore i've i've mm-hmm. stopped being a closet nerd even at work a whole bunch of people know we do this podcast a whole bunch of people mm-hmm. know that we do the I discord and signal at this point <laughs> i don't care i'm not embarrassed by it i love it this is like me this is mm-hmm. real me i hate being that fake like sports <laughs> <laughs> that is how i sound at work <laughs> Do you, you should use this power, though, to set him up like, man, yeah, Joel, what a fun, lovable character. I can't wait to see him in season two. He gets up to some real, real fun stuff. Season two. Buckle up, y'all. Oh, <laughs> should. Should. Just really, really set him up for disappointment. All right. Last but not least in our film section, we should talk about an absolutely phenomenal third season of one of the best shows that Netflix has ever. Wait a second. No, no, no. This is Outer Banks season three. Chad. Oh, yeah. I I was about to start this off uh, with, we just talked about a good show. Let's talk about a... Uh... Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Outer Banks has watch, never been the best TV, I would say. I mean, it's but always John been B, one though. of those... I mean, it's been one of those really cool, kooky adventures that you can kind of tag along Kook. with the teenagers. E? <laughs> e? Did you do it on purpose? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Uh, Outer Banks 1 was kind of cool. You kind of followed the teenagers going on this like uh, treasure hunt that the father, who has since passed away, um, kind of left behind for his son, John B. Uh, there's, there's a divide between the kooks, which are like the rich people, and the pogues, which are the poor people. Uh, wow. It's, it's like a divide on the island. Um, and this is in Outer Banks, North Carolina, by the yeah, way. Yeah, Outer Banks. Should... So, sure. Outer Banks 1... Kind of cool, like kind of good. Ten, 10 episodes of solid, you know, uh, interesting take on a new story. Outer Banks yeah. 2, it was good in the beginning, then it shifted towards this weird, like it's no longer a summary, like treasure hunty vibe. It's more, uh, it's it's breaking into that uh, level of national treasure where they're pulling off stunts that are way too crazy to ever actually pull off, uh, such as like stealing the Declaration of Independence uh-huh. Uh, they don't actually do that, but there's just like a bunch of stuff that their teenagers shouldn't be able to be doing, and they're doing it anyways. Outer Banks like, three Mom, comes Dad, out. Mom, Dad, can I borrow a truck? I just need to go steal this cross. It's fine. It's fine. It's no big deal. Yeah, All this right, very solid giant cross. Here's a phone. <laughs> yeah, here's here's my truck. Like whatever. Outer Banks three comes out, and they get even more chaotic uh, with basically. Uh, just spoiler alert. At the end of Outer Banks 2, they get they end up on a deserted island. Don't spoil me. Um, and Don't then, spoil Outer Banks 3. Basically, you would think that Outer Banks Season 3 would have been like their voyage on how they survived on this deserted island into being saved into maybe credits rolling, and that's it. Uh, they get saved the first episode. Okay. So first that's all, cool. You can't, you can't even say the first episode. You got to say they get saved in the first 12 minutes. <laughs> Did you actually watch wow. this? Yeah, I'm like I'm like on episode five or something. <laughs> wow. Uh, I thought I was the only one to watch this. Uh, no. So yeah, they get saved within the first like five minutes of the first episode, and then like it just begins this whole like, oh my gosh, uh, El Dorado, 
And you're like, oh, great, Eldorado. Okay. So that's Out of Banks 3. It's a good one. It's a watch. It's it's okay. I thought, I thought this show was like some sort of weird reality TV thing. Oh, it, no. Man, when you see trailers for this show, it is totally different than what the trailers look like. Oh. Okay. I've yeah, never actually seen trailers. You're selling me show. on this, like, oh, El Dorado? I might watch something about it's, El Dorado. It's like, this seems dumb, but I'd watch it. It's like half teen drama, half. Yeah. It's good stuff. Like treasure hunting? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's right up Alex's alley for sure. I'm imagining a CW show. How far yeah, off yeah. am I? Mm-hmm. Not far. I okay. wouldn't say that the drama goes I, to CW likes. Okay. I, I think it's a little under that, but there are moments where you're looking at the characters and you're like, just have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> One conversation could have fixed all of this. Yeah. Sure. That definitely happens regularly. And also, like, they escalate things out of nowhere for no oh, reason yeah. whatsoever. And I'm always just like, wait, why couldn't you have just gone up and just, like, I don't know, talk to that person for just two seconds? Like, you don't, don't pull That's a crazy. gun. What? Okay, sure. No, no if, I mean, no. if you haven't seen it and and you like kind of the treasure hunty, puzzly aspects and like somewhat teen drama mixed with like a summary vibe, oh, Outer Banks season one, it's a pretty good one. Uh, yeah. Season two, it's, it's pretty good. Honestly, once you watch those two, I mean, you kind of have to continue the story. I think they're only going to go till Outer Banks four. So, I mean, just finish off the fourth one when it comes out. I can't believe it didn't get canceled by Netflix after all the shows that they get they canceled. This seems like prime Netflix cancellation material. Yeah. I can't believe I watched this show. Every time we talk about it and we talk about like the context of the show and like what it's about, yeah. it just doesn't fit in my normal Yep. Not that's at why, all. Just, that's I like I I was surprised that you watched the first two seasons, and I thought you were just not going to watch this one. That's why I was like, you've seen it? John B, baby. John B. Might have to do a side monitor viewing at some point. Mm. Sounds like prime side monitor content. Well, it's it's something. Yeah, it's sure. Certainly side content. monitor content. Wait, didn't you watch, like, Emily in Paris on your side monitor? Yeah, prime side okay. monitor show. Side monitor content. That's probably on par with Emily in Paris. Yeah, I'd take why, that. Why? 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 What do you mean, why? <laughs> what do you mean, why? Why? <laughs> it's like a show. It, it has to be a show like that you don't have to look at to still. Right, yeah, but why that one? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, what, what part of it made you go, yeah, that's it. That's the one. That's what I'm I want. Partial to chick flicks sometimes. It just hits a spot. Sometimes? <laughs> oh. Uh-oh. Get out of here, I, dude. I can watch this guy share has downloaded every single Hallmark movie that was ever made. Mm, wow, that's a lot, probably. Alleged, yeah. Allegedly, allegedly. Mm. Right. Hypothetically, allegedly. I downloaded all of, <laughs> all of the Hallmark Christmas movies. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can use this in court. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, listen. If you if you like treasure hunting, if you like team drama, Outer Banks is great. It's got an absolutely, of course, cohesive story. It makes total sense. Just go watch it. Other things that have cohesive stories as we jump into video <laughs> oh games. We should probably talk we about the veil and the radial mast. Oh, the radial the mast? There's an entire freaking civilization on Neptune, even though we've been searching the stars. Destiny 2. 
some of the best i don't know uh story not necessarily story writing but some of the best like universe story building world building ideas in video games they're like all right lightfall this is definitely a cohesive story let's just publish now just press the button let's go you guys loved it right man it was like a week of filler episodes yeah Mm -hmm. It's... So as the one person who doesn't know the Destiny story very well, this felt like every other Destiny story. Oh my god! Uh, you just show up and it's like, oh, do you, you gotta go solve all the problems. And you go and it's like, oh no, the MacGuffin. And you gotta get that MacGuffin. <laughs> yeah, but usually and they so try to explain the MacGuffin at all. Yeah, but it's usually like... This time they like... just said the name and they moved on. They never once tried to explain any of it. That's all I need. I don't (laughs) care that it's like the Dothraki are going to come through it. What Fucking whatever. (laughs) It's a thingamabob. I got to go get it. Usually they they try, right? They try somewhat usually. This time, literally the name of the thing and no other information. I don't. I don't understand what part of the radio mask confusing. It gives you. It does give you information. The information is the world will collapse if we don't. We, it does, we don't even know if the world will collapse. We just know something vaguely bad will happen. You yeah. gotta. Do you want something vaguely bad to happen? <laughs> I rest I my know. case. Go get that mask. Get that yeah. mask. Boy. All right. For, for, like, pause for a second before we like continue down this road. We should probably let everybody know who hasn't played Lightfall that this is Destiny's uh, one, two, three, four, fifth. This is their fifth expansion since launch in 2017. Destiny two. Um. And it was probably the least cohesive storyline of any launch. Forsaken, Shadowkeep, Beyond Light, Witch Queen, Lightfall. This has got to be the worst, right? Mm -hmm. Out of all of them? In terms of story, yeah. Absolutely. In terms of visuals? Definitely not. This is amazing. Incredible visuals. I like Strand a lot. Strand is the new subclass. Strand is cool. We're talking about Destiny 2. That stranding is later. <laughs> Destiny 2 is a strand type game now. I mean, thank God. It's joined it's joined the Strandiverse. <laughs> Strandiverse. Um I think okay, so obviously we talked about story here for a second. Not super great. The visuals are amazing. The new subclass that they've introduced is great. They made some major changes to armor, which I think are key uh, armor mods amazing i love that they they have made the game at least somewhat more accessible for the wider player base right for a long time we spent you know like people would just go on the destiny app every day and be like Ooh, what mods is ada offering because there's no other way to possibly get this where now it's just like look everybody has access to the same basic things basic we'll keep it at that basic because they don't have like the upgraded armor they don't have all the exotics they have access to the same basic things, but it puts everybody, I feel like, on a more even field when yeah. it comes to participating in PvE and PvP and even some of the end game content like raids, which we'll talk about here in a second. This makes, I feel like, all of that more accessible, but it's still difficult to achieve like anything like- of like... Go ahead. Sorry. The the things that you can chase now make sense. Like the mod system was just stupid before. It was just like you had to log in every day and go buy them. And that was the only way you could get there. Like now it makes sense that there's like this, you know, big exclusive item hidden behind this quest line or whatever. Like you have to chase that or 
you know, special ability changing gear will be hidden behind a, a loot grind of some kind. Like the basic I, building box of, of making builds is all available to everybody though. I think the thing that speaks most broadly to that is that the amount of content that is now published about like, here's the best build for X, whatever mm -hmm. it is, PVP, PVE, day one raid. There's so much of that now because everybody has access to the same basic things that everybody else is using. Prior to this, it was like, all right, well, here's like a day one raid setup for a hunter. But half of the mod, the armor mods are just behind a wall that you can't, you can't access. You can't get those. I think that's a good change, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, I think that's a really solid change. And they still have scarcity and like FOMO stuff in places that are okay for it. I think like seasonal weapons and stuff like that, like stuff that makes it feel special to be playing during the now. That will go away eventually, but it gets replaced by new cool stuff also. Careful like where you go with that, though, because that's how vaulting happened. Sunsetting yeah. <laughs> is bad because it directly took stuff out of your hands. Like if you had a yeah. favorite gun that you were already using, sorry, we're taking it from you. That was a real bad decision. I think they recognize that. Didn't play three seasons ago and there was like a special scout rifle that you know you'd missed out on. Like that's you know, it's a reward for the people that stuck around for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Man, in typical Bungie fashion, they implement some nice quality of life updates, but they implement them not as well as they need to be implemented. Yeah. Like the loadout system, you can't name your loadouts. They have like a set list of names that you can scroll through to pick one to name your loadout. And Why? a set list of icons. Just let Why? me type in the name. I don't, I don't know. know. No idea. They do weird stuff like that. I can't it, it, even imagine a reason for that. That's insanity. Yeah, it's why they they need to give players something to complain about. They <laughs> fixed a lot of things. They're like, we can't fix everything. I mean, they gave us lightfall. They gave us plenty to complain about. Come on, it's just funny because <laughs> got them. Like the build system is so good, and I have two different solar builds that I have, and I just named them Solar and Solar because like I don't know what else to do. <laughs> right? Alpha and Beta, bro. Alpha and Beta. Like, yeah, yeah you could do sure. that, I guess. But what does that mean? Nothing. Yeah, I have. I have. Uh... Like two solars or two voids or whatever. One of them is actually named Raid, though. One of them is named <laughs> Void or something. I, you know, I, I made the first solar one like a darker orange, and the second solar one a lighter orange. <laughs> you just hover over and you know which one it is. I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's yeah, still dumb though. It would be it's still nice dumb. To yeah. Be Yo, like, go ahead, Jake. I was just gonna. Say, I mean, how hard is that to be like, hey, type in something, right? Right. <laughs> like, can't be that I hard. Mean, it's not hard. I'll be honest with you. I look at Destiny's ex user experience, and it's just really—it's bad. Like, dude, you play it. Call of Duty. <laughs> okay, I never said Call of Duty was good. Two wrongs don't make a right, Aaron. I'm gonna try to find a lost sec a legendary lost sector, and you have to click on individual Every planets location. and, and es yeah. escape back out, and then click back in. Finally, you're just like, you know, I'm just gonna Google it. Like, after, yeah. like, yeah. I, it's, yeah. it's not even worth it. Yeah, it's yeah. not great. Uh, Call of Duty used to be good, where it was just lists of stuff, and I think yeah. that's what they need to do. It's just have I mean, lists. So, luckily, they've they've implemented. There's a lot of people who've implemented tools to help you better figure out how to navigate the universe of Destiny. Whether it's today in Destiny, finding like 
the specific things that are on rotation, or it's uh, light.gg telling you what the god rolls are on weapons, or it's the now the Destiny app, which is actually great, grabbing bounties while you're in orbit. You don't have to go mm -hmm. visit every single vendor for a bounty. That's awful. What's funny is, uh, so I've been uh, playing Jake's account during the day oh. when he doesn't. You can't when say, can't. like, I've been playing like it's casual. <laughs> you said to me the other day, I started playing at, like, 8, and I didn't put it down the controller until 6. Yeah. Wow, he played negative 2 hours. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I grinded Nightfall oh straight until 6 a.m. one night. I, <laughs> so, I've been playing it, and I don't... I have access to his account because he gave me that, but I haven't bothered him to get access to, like, Destiny Item Manager or anything like that. And so anytime I'm interacting with his vault, I'm oh using God. the in-game system, oh which God, is just so god-awful. <laughs> it's just a, a page of unorganized junk in, in a li this list of them. Man, and I didn't know there was a way bad. to interact with it outside of the oh, game. There's so What's many. so funny is like even in this menu on the side, it has a little image of a phone. And it says companion apps enhance your destiny experience with apps designed <laughs> by Bungie and talented destiny fans. Why don't they just put that into the fucking game? Good question. It's so funny because they're like, we know this menu is super bad. You should probably just use a third party <laughs> tool. Mm -hmm. All right. One so thing we haven't so mentioned, weird. which we need to mention, the new subclass does come with a grappling hook. It does have a grappling yeah. hook. I was surprised nobody said it because that is my favorite part of destiny now is the grappling hook. <laughs> I, I was just, just about great. to say, we've been pooping on Destiny for a second. Let's talk about the qualities of Lightfall <laughs> and what and what they are what Bungie is actually good at. Implementing the, the new subclass is, is great. The grappling hook is very fun. The subclass feels very different than all of the other subclasses. Actually, just like I feel like Stasis felt very different from the other three subclasses. So mm -hmm. this is just like another implementation of that. I feel like very good. Good job. Um the other thing I think they do a really good job at is making sure that after you've played the campaign, you still have content that you can that is approachable and fun, yet like hard to accomplish. It's like the next level. You can play the Lifefall campaign on normal, really kind of a cakewalk. You can play it on legendary if you want to challenge. Not super hard, but still more difficult. And then the next step is like more complicated content like you start uh going after some exotics that they've done which this season there's actually a lot i think there's four maybe five exotics that you can go after from this season mm -hmm. which is exciting i love that i love being able to chase after exotics that's one of the best parts of the game some of those have like cool missions associated with them it's yeah. unique, mm -hmm. unique content yeah the new secret mission is some of the best content we've ever played in in destiny um the one we got for uh what's that scout rifle called the one where you're jumping on the ship and you're in zero g and then there's the siva weapon mm. um whatever that one's called all outbreak those missions perfected. are outbreak for that thank you all those missions are great they're 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 fun they're enjoyable they're unique they're it's like a different approach that destiny takes with a player and i think all that's really good the other thing that they also do that i think that it's very they're very effective at doing are dungeons and, and raids we haven't really touched base on this, but some of the best sort of end game content that Bungie produces are the dungeons, which are three player dungeons and the raids, which is the big one, which are six player raids. And we as a group are, I mean, I guess our fire team of six, I guess technically probably eight that we rotate people in and out of. We have done 
all but one of the raids that have existed in Destiny. We haven't done the most recent one, and we haven't done the one that drops tomorrow, obviously. I feel like um, I see stats all the time that like only like 15-20% of the player base has ever done a raid. Yeah, isn't that crazy really? when you think about it? Mm-hmm. It's hard to get a I group mean, of six. It is. It's hard to get I mean, a group of six that can commit to like four to six hours on a non-contest mode raid. Like contest mode raid is even harder. I, think, I mean, I hope, maybe. I hope you know what you're getting yourself into. I, mean, I think don't that's really, also. I'll find out. I think that's also just MMO statuses, because like you look at raids in like WoW or Guild Wars or other MMOs. It's like I think they're avoided as well by the majority of people because it's like content that's harder, and then you have to like communicate with people. You have to socialize. Have to Socializing yeah. is hard, man. I mean, organizing in general is hard. Like, it's so much easier now, at least in WoW, to be part of a guild that's got a Discord and all of your shit is, like, inside of that Discord than back in the day when I remember, like, people would have to literally be building websites to be able to tell you, like, this is who's on the roster and this is what we're up to. Like, Like, it just, it was a pain to have that figured out back, you know, 10 years ago. It's interesting interesting to me to see how we as a group have evolved because I assume a lot of people who've dabbled in raids throughout the years have probably also evolved the way we have. Like we did our very first raid, which was I think the Leviathan raid, which is it's a great raid. It's super fun. I'm sad that it's been vaulted. Hopefully they bring it back at some point. Um, but we did that first raid and it was just kind of like, ah, whatever, you just bring in whatever you have for your setup. We didn't care about like PvE versus PvP loadouts. It wasn't like optimized. We weren't figuring out what uh, subclasses worked for each character, how many Titans versus Warlocks versus Hunters were going in. Whereas now, Alex has spent the last like 85 hours researching the exact <laughs> like, percentages. Yeah. we. You just said we as a group have evolved. You're only talking to Galaxy. <laughs> I mean, for what it's worth, like all of us have we changed for one way or the other. Like I now have the like game a... has changed too. It has. Mm-hmm. But... Like I think pre Armor 2.0, you had much less options for what you could do on a specific class. That's true. That's true. It's definitely true. And then now that we basically have like Armor 3.0, essentially, even though they're not calling it that, like there's even more diversity i think yeah well and again i think we have a lot of people who are publishing content they're like i've tried out this build it feels really good here's the pros and the cons of this loadout um you know this might be a good day one thing that's like all of my tiktok right now everything i scroll through is just it's all my youtube here's a hunter build my youtube recommends have changed to entirely destiny yeah (laughs) i think we've spoken so much of destiny that the overlords have overheard us That's and uh, mm-hmm. our algorithms are now destined up. That's true. I mean, I am going to get a bunch of content about like the history of the USB cord at this point, mm-hmm. but it'll still be a lot of destiny too. You'll probably see the EU mandate. I will. I'm, I'm certain of that. All right. Well, that's destiny. Super fun. Uh, we are going to be streaming tomorrow night. We're going to be on day one raid of the new raid. What's it called again? Does everybody remember? Root of nightmares. Root, Root of nightmares. Thank you. Um, last year we did, technically it wasn't a brand new raid, but we did King's Fall on launch day, which is called contest mode. It's way more difficult than the raid when it's outside of contest mode. So we only made it past, I think the second real. It passed totems. 
Yeah. Yeah. Past totems. But we were one, like our group was, our group of six was one of 160,000 players that made it past the second stage, which was really cool. Yeah, but this time you called in a ringer, so... We did call in a ringer. <laughs> you know, yeah, you did. You guys should be okay. Derek's still in the group, so I don't know how this is going to work out, <laughs> oh, but we'll try it. I, we have Derek's five reps. I thought he was the ringer. <laughs> I thought he was the ringer. Yeah, the ringer. Mm, is he not? We'll see. We'll see. Anyways, tomorrow, I think we're going to start streaming probably around, like, uh, 3 Central, 4 Eastern. Okay. I don't know, Jake. It kind of no, depends, depends on you. It depends yeah. on when Jake's available. Uh, yeah, I'll, sometime I'll check around my then. schedule. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, come check that out. That'll be really fun. Um, very excited for the new raid. It's it's going to be a blast. Also, in video game world, we should probably talk about the Dragon Ball Breakers sequel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dragon Ball Breakers, everyone's favorite game. Yeah, no, they announced a new freaking Budokai game. What's yeah, Budokai? It's their like their original fighting game. It was like a fighting game on the PS2, Dragon Ball Z Budokai. I played I had it on the GameCube. Yeah. So much Budokai. Yeah, it was dude. so much fun. Huge cast of characters, very approachable, very fun. A whole story mode that basically played through the whole Dragon Ball Z saga. Wow. Mm-hmm. But in fighting game form. And they they announced a new one like yesterday, 2 days ago. It's like a it's like a 3D fighter too, like it's an arena. It's not just like a 2D plane. Uh, the old ones, so, at least Budokai 2, was at least like 3D, more like Tekken. You could dodge uh, left and right. Yeah, yeah. Tenkaichi was actually an arena. Mm, okay. So when you say arena, that's more like what... It was one of the more recent games that they released. Shoot, hang on. I'll look it up. I don't like those Naruto games, I guess. Xenoverse mm. is what I'm thinking. Xenoverse, maybe, yeah. So I played a little Xenoverse, and I could not stomach it. I didn't like it very much. So hopefully it's we'll not see exactly like that. I'm hoping, Budokai, I'm hoping that means it is more of like a fighting game and less of like a run around this big open Button area. Button masher. Get... Yeah, mm-hmm. right, because yeah. I would be a lot less interested in that than like a proper fighting game. Well, there's a lot of people excited about it, so I, it's probably going to be more fighting gamey. I would hope. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little surprised they didn't just say Fighters Z2, Fighters Ah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I, they're still trying to support that one, I think, for the time being, because like, they still have that uh, Rollbat Netcode patch coming. Oh, that's not out? I thought that already came out. Mm, I think they said, like, hmm, it might be out now. I think it was supposed to come out early this year or sometime. Interesting. Just with, with how big that was... It, I'm a little surprised that they didn't just go like, eh, why would we bring Budokai back? Just start, keep working on fighters. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's different studios, but. How long has it been since the last one? I think like 14 years, I think is what I was going to say 17, but it's been a long freaking time. Think they'll do a full big campaign like the old game, or is it going to be more like I would hope so and have like almost nothing. I really don't know. I feel like fighting games are in a weird spot. I feel because I feel like Street Fighter Six. I feel like they've really been talking up their single player mode. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just wishful thinking on my part. But I feel like they've talked about like, yeah, there's going to be a whole campaign. You're going to learn all these moves and there's going to be like this RPG stuff. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what I, that's what I like. I like a, a space where I can actually try to get good at a game mm-hmm. before I just go online and get dumpstered over and over and over and over and over again for a few hours. 
like the chance to be like, oh, this is like what a combo looks like. Here's the input for a fireball. I know it now because I've done it a hundred times against bots. Yeah. Like, like I love Guilty Gear Strive, but the fact that my only practice is basically against you guys or going online and getting dumpstered for a few hours. Like, there's no, there's nowhere I can just, like, go in and be like, okay, let me see if I can try to figure out, you know, Bridget's combos. Like, I guess there is an arcade mode, but it's, like, four fights in a row with no story. Mm-hmm. And yes. the AI is not that good. Like, old Budokai went through the whole Z saga, so, and mm-hmm. they show in the trailer, they show basically nothing, but they show blue hair Goku, so. Yeah. I Maybe... mean, I... I really hope they do that i think that'd be so cool maybe they do like the whole z saga plus super now i mean that'd be dope as hell like i uh that'd be so cool i just want more single player content i want to play fighting games but i'm not good enough to just like yeah i'm just gonna hop on competitive ladder you know i'm gonna play for a few hours get like bottom tier bronze just hang out there for a few years like that that's not gonna be fun for me i'm not gonna enjoy that so in the high realm. hopes but we know nothing sorry no you're good you're good the trailer is really good i think it, it shows basically nothing but it is a like old crt tv with old budokai footage on it <laughs> and it like slowly zooms in and then you finally get like all the way zoomed in and it's like a full nice high-res uh Ooh. like widescreen image and it's like well, that does sound cool. detailed like when they do that. environment new goku mm-hmm Really playing up the uh, the nostalgia factor, yeah. which I mean, it's pretty yeah. much why they made it. I get yeah. it. I, I I was interested. Uh, in the sort of uh, vein of Japanese developers, we should also probably talk about Squeenix and their CEO Yosuke Matsuda, who is nice on his. Thank you. He is uh, on his way out. After being pushed out, essentially, he's been the CEO for 10 years. He was in charge of um, uh, publishing for Final Fantasy. And he's also been hyping up some NFTs and blockchain. But uh, yeah. people, are, people are tired of that. Yeah, I don't know if you guys remember. He One of his infamous lines was um, that they wanted... Uh, what that some people like to play for enjoyment, and that's not oh, the kind yeah. of players they're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> just to earn. Yeah, right. They're looking for people who like to play to earn. It it was just like the most embarrassing out of touch thing I've ever read in my entire life. <laughs> so like his, just absolutely insane. His legacy is probably going to be like selling off all their Western developers to invest in NFTs now, right? I mean, yeah, right. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I don't know how they let him get away with it. For it's this a sad, long. sad thing to be remembered for after all the other stuff that Square Enix has done over the last yeah, right. I mean, couple decades. I I'm sure he doesn't give a shit. I'm sure he made a bunch of short-term money selling them off. Not that mm-hmm. much money, really, if you think about it. They didn't make that much money from the sale. They sold yeah. it pretty cheap. But I'm, I'm sure he made a decent amount of money. I just, I mean, maybe now they can start turning, turning things around, because... I feel like Squeenix has been just hitting L after L after L. Like, uh huh. For a they've while. They've been on a downward spiral, man. Yeah, like, it's been pretty bad. The Final Fantasy VII remake, everyone loves the Final Fantasy VII remake. But, like, again, that's kind of an easy one, right? It's Final Fantasy VII. It's the most beloved game they've ever made. Of course, everyone loves it. But then, like, the latest Final Fantasy, in my, as far as I'm aware, is basically a laughing stock because that was the, um, the Chaos Man. 
Oh, <laughs> watches yeah. Donkey. That's the Chaos yeah. Guy. Hilarious. Very funny. Not supposed to be funny, but very funny. Uh, they sold all their Western studios. They doubled down on the NFTs. They canceled like 50 freaking live service games. Mm-hmm. Like they've just not not been making good choices lately. So fingers crossed this is like, you know, their, their chance to turn the ship around. We'll see. I read, I read a quote from like the head guy on Final Fantasy about how he would take it as an insult if anybody referred to the new Final Fantasy as a JRPG. Oh, you know what? I actually, there's a whole discussion about this. Um, I didn't realize a lot of uh, Japanese developers, uh, This it's a little bit dated, but they, they're kind of insulted by the term JRPG. Really? Because I think there was a period a few years ago where people, that style of game was not very popular. So mm. people were using it as like an insult. Hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I think a lot of developers over there kind of have internalized that whenever something's referred to as a JRPG, they still feel like it's an insult, uh, which is interesting because it's it's a very weird name, right? Because it's literally it Japanese weird. RPG, which like that's not descriptive at all. That's literally just like where it's made. But like Dark Souls is a Japanese game. It's an RPG. Technically, it's a JRPG. It's obviously not, though. When you say JRPG, <laughs> you don't mean Dark Souls. You mean Final Fantasy. Yeah. So it's like I, I've heard there, there's some discourse around it's... like, should we come up with a better name for it? Yeah, genre names are weird. Like they MOBA are. is MOBA's like so bad. What does MOBA's that mean? Yeah, I mean, literally nothing. Yeah. Right. Like 90% of the people who play MOBAs probably don't even know what MOBA stands for. Which is understandable because it doesn't mean anything, even when you do know what it yeah. stands for. It's <laughs> yeah. nothing. So, like, you know, I mean, really, because really, JRPG is just like a turn-based RPG. I feel like, yep, like yeah, it's got some other connotations it. to it, like story-focused, more of a focus on like characters and story and that kind of stuff. But like, the yeah. literal JRPG just means the Japanese were making games like that for a while. Several mm -hmm. years ago. Yep. yep. All right. Last thing from Japan. <laughs> Let's talk about we this uh, crossover between One Punch Man and Overwatch 2, in which mm -hmm. I am personally hoping for a Puri Puri Prisoner Sigma skin. I mean, that would just be. <laughs> I mean, I would I would take that. I would take Metal Bat. I would take Metal Bat. Uh, Metal Child Bat. Emperor Diva. I would take. They should have uh, done Zenyatta Bong. Bon that would be great. That's a good one, right? Oh my god, that's a good one. That's a good one. Where they really messed up was with the Genji skin doing the speed Genos of sound instead of speed of sound. Yeah, Sonic. Well, I don't know why they wouldn't do speed of sound Sonic. Well, they really messed up as they made Kuriko not a <laughs> uh, Moomin Rider, because then you could have seen her on her bike. <laughs> you could have seen her on her bike. That would Get have been so here. good. <laughs> Moomin Rider. I, it, I'm frustrated, man. I like these skins. <laughs> I want to get them. But if you get, it's four skins. What is it? Whoa, Terrible buddy. Tornado, Kiriko, Saitama, Doomfist. It's it's only three, actually, that you can buy. Moomin Rider, Soldier 76 is earnable in-game. Mm -hmm. And the last one that I'm forgetting is Genos Genji. Genji yeah. Uh, and so for all three of those skins, along with some voice lines and victory poses, it's about $44 US. 
which is crazy. That's so much money. Yeah. It's for like a you're game. almost buying a game. Just yeah. to yeah. The skins. Yo, it's a first person game. <laughs> All I see of the skin is my hand. Mm-hmm. Maybe That's why like you gotta email gun. repeatedly. Yeah, that's, right. Yes. that's right. It's just like, because like if these were 20 bucks, I would have bought it in a heartbeat. If it was $30, I would have hesitated and then probably may, I, I would I would have been closer by it. $44? There's no fucking way. There's no fucking way I'm going to buy that. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah, it does Whenever... seem like a lot. I think about that and then for some reason what pops in my head is Hollow Knight is fifteen dollars. <laughs> it's ludicrous. Like Hollow Knight's a weird wow. example because it's so much cheaper than it should be. I don't know why yeah. why that game is as much as it is. It should second. be like a forty dollar game. We need to have Winston be armored gorilla. Mm. Mm. There's I'm so many good combinations here, man. Gosh, I don't know One Punch Man enough to even think the crossover is decent mm. the only skin shows I like any is other the anime. one really Doom Fi- Do- or, uh, Saitama Doomfist is I mean yeah, as soon as Doomfist came vampire. out it's like yeah. yeah it's gotta be him I mean he's got a one punch voice line yeah, yeah. I one punch is all I need it's like yeah. yes he one is the one is punch all man I need. Mm-hmm. Right. Which isn't the case anymore really but, yeah, no, he yeah. needs he needs a punch and some shots and maybe yeah. another shot. They made his punch way weaker, <laughs> then they brought out the one punch man stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's perfect. Nailed it. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm just frustrated I can't buy these cool skins because they're a bazillion dollars. So they have that new startup screen where Saitama Doomfist is on there, mm-hmm. like doing push ups. Apparently if you just sit on that screen long enough, he actually and you count, he does a hundred push ups and then he does a hundred sit ups and then he does a hundred squats. No way. And then he leaves the, the room. He leaves the room presumably to go on a ten kilometer run. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that Who has the time to sit up? Wait. Your answer is weebs. No, no. The answer is the queue time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, That's also true. fair. Mm. You're waiting. Holy queue. shit! Our queue time is awful. It has has gotten better in the last update. Yeah, I've noticed a little bit better. A little bit better. We have seven minute queue times instead of eleven minute queue times. Yeah. Yeah, it's you'd think if only they had a whole game to try to sort out their matchmaking system, you know? <laughs> well, that would have been so smart. weird because like the queue times weren't that bad in Overwatch One, so I don't know what the fuck they're doing that there is making it so bad in Overwatch Two. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they took out that extra tank. That's what it is. <laughs> well they it makes they, everything they... worse. It's it seemed fine before they made the change that they're trying to match up skill ranks on the same roles. Yeah, that seems to have made it way worse. Mm-hmm. That's true. But people are complaining about match quality, so they're like, "We could try to do this." Well, I would. I, I, good I idea. then you know question: Have we had better matches because of that? Like, I don't think so. I, you know, like I am I apparently so. higher ranked than than you guys are, even though. I think that you, if you played the the new uh, competitive, you'd probably be exactly where I am. Um, but like, I, I yeah, I was gonna say I I don't think that it's actually improved anything because if you put like a fucking grandmaster or whatever player on DPS, that person's still running laps around everybody. It doesn't matter if like you know our best DPS person is there as well. Like, 
they're still just winning the game. My observation yeah. is my quality of life when I play Overwatch and Overwatch 2 has deteriorated because of the amount of just me going while I'm playing it. Because it's just, it, I feel like Overwatch 1, you had like that skill-based matchmaking in it, and you could go like, I don't know, good two or three games of like ev- either even on the playing field, or you're just kind of like winning a little bit more than usual. And then you have a couple games where you lose. This, it's just like you win one, you're about to get steamrolled the rest of the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Solo matchmaking feels a lot better than I was going to say. When I have played solo, I actually feel like I've gotten a lot of really good matches. Mm-hmm. But as, as soon as we squat up, all that goes out the goddamn window. <laughs> like, it's it's so bizarre. Like, we especially if, a... we have, if we have a five stack, it's over, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's over. Yeah. We either go against another five stack, this is the first time they've ever five stacked, or we go against, I don't know, just absolute, just get absolutely wrecked by yeah, a group Yeah, like of an five. Overwatch League training team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's wild. It's pretty insane. All right, Chad and Alex are both giving me the face of, we're wasting time, we could be doing Nightfalls here, so we're going to move on to... What have you been playing lately? And everybody gets one minute to talk about the game they've been oh playing. Oh, my God. Yeah, okay. wow. Wait, that short of time. one minute of the game? Because there's quite a few games here. Oh, man, <laughs> I just lost the game. Dang, I haven't lost the game in a while. Wow. Uh, but I just did. All right, Jake, we're starting with you. Okay, uh, I finally finished Ragnarok. Hey, Technically, I did goodness. this several weeks ago, but we haven't done this in a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh yeah, it was good. Um, I feel like, I mean, maybe maybe I'm controversial here. I feel like the ending was really rushed. You're not like, controversial. Okay. There's a lot of people who think it's rushed. I mean, maybe it's because they took like, you know, literally like 40 hours building up to it. And then they were just like, oh, and um, and then Ragnarok happens and then the end. Yeah, it comes together pretty quick. Also, I think there's evidence to show that there's like a, a section that was cut going into uh Surtur and his lover's stories more. Hmm. I have a conspiracy theory that this was supposed to be a trilogy. Well, that's mm. not really a conspiracy theory. There's a there's a ton of people that showed evidence that it was supposed to be a trilogy and the main director actually I forget if he got booted or if he just left and then uh somebody had to come in and take up the reins and they basically said, "I we got to pump this out as a duo instead of a trio." Weird. I mean, it checks just, out that that game think, was so much longer. Oh, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. I mean, Corey Balrog is has been the guy since, as far as I can remember, even on the first set of games. I watched interviews, and whoever the lead was said that he came in on the second game, and was like repl- he was replacing somebody so i don't we, I maybe maybe i'm wrong here and i'm mis- misspeaking and people need to go fact check it's a different position or something but yeah sure hmm. yeah because there's even a point in the game so like the first game starts they're at home and they're hunting and the second game starts and they're like at home doing something and then there's another part later in this game where they're at home hunting and i'm like hmm. this is where they wanted to start the third game you would have started every game. It would have been like a nice little like, oh, they're always at home, but the situation is so different. Yeah. Mm. But it's just randomly like, you know, four fifths of the way through Ragnarok. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, it was 
good. I, I felt a little underwhelmed by the ending, but it was, it was a I fun game. I think the final, for how cool Odin's character is, the final fight with him is kind of like, I mean, it's all right. It's, it's, it's not I, spectacular. Nothing special, yeah. So I feel like I spent the whole game thinking he was going to have, like, something up his sleeve. Mm-hmm. Like, because he, he plays the whole game kind of, like, quietly manipulative. And, like, he's a really fun, interesting character. I love every scene with him. But I kept thinking, like, okay, when, like, when is the grand scheme revealed? Where do I find out what he's been playing at? And I guess there is something like that, now that I'm saying there it so is. loud. Yeah. There is something like that. But it wasn't, like, oh, my plan all along, I was, like, tricking you into activating the Infinity Gauntlet. It's just, like, no, the thing he said he wanted, that's that's what he wanted. He wanted mm-hmm. that thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I was like, it's pretty oh. straightforward, but also like, right. you know, taking advantage of a child. And, I mean, sure. Well, but who doesn't? Who hasn't done that? You know, and, like, <laughs> you know, careful, they, he basically put all his eggs in that basket and it didn't work out for him. You know? Yeah, I just, I just I don't know. I I thought I thought there was going to be like more more there there, but there wasn't. It was fine. It was good. Cool. Uh, I also started playing Wo Long Fallen Dynasty. I'm not very far in this one. This is the new Neo game. Um, so that's by oh, I don't know why I started Team that Ninja. sentence. I don't know. It is Ooh, Team Ninja. Rip. I was yeah. gonna say yeah. Team Ninja, and I was like, is that just because they make Japanese games <laughs> that I think that's their name? No, no. Uh, so when this game got announced, a lot of people were like, oh my god, that's the Neo answer to Elden Ring, and it's not. It's the Neo mm-hmm. answer to Sekiro, mm-hmm. which I didn't expect. Um, it's, it's pretty good. It's, I think it's no Sekiro. No, absolutely I think not. Sekiro kicks the shit out of it on almost yeah. every front. It it ends up being more like a Dark Souls than it is like Sekiro. Yeah. Yeah. I gameplay. mean, you think so? It, it's there's yeah. such a heavy focus on the parry. Yeah, but there's, I, I feel like, you know, Sekiro is all about parrying like combos that enemies throw out and then having your own section where you combo a little bit. And this is very much parry one attack. Hit the person till they die, it seems. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's weird because, right, Sekiro, it's like, okay, they're going to hit you a bunch and sometimes they'll have like a big special move that's like unparryable. And so you got to dodge or you got to like jump and block the the lightning or whatever the fuck, you know, Mm -hmm. whereas this one, like, you can parry normal attacks, but the one you really need to parry is the one where they flash red and they do like a big attack. And if you parry that, you ba- you almost guaranteed break their guard. Yeah. And then you can do like a big finishy move. So like I've seen online strategies that are like, look, if they don't do that big move, just run. Just like stay away from them. And when they do that big <laughs> move, get in there, parry it, and then just kill them. Like that's hmm. all you got to do. And like hmm. I've not tried it myself, but I feel like that's probably a good plan. It doesn't sound like a very fun way. <laughs> I mean, probably not. No. But it's probably effective if you get like stuck. How's the it, performance? It's okay. It, it's, yeah, it has some stuttering issues very occasionally for me. I so am. I read, I read a lot of people complaining about that. On top of like the people complaining about, oh, my mouse and keyboard controls aren't good. I'm like, yeah, I was playing this game with mouse 90, and keyboard. That's ninety percent of the bad reviews on Steam. It's just the mouse and keyboard controls are awful. Yeah, I had the same reaction when I saw that. I was like, who? who the hell is playing this with mouse and keyboard <laughs> like who decided to do that that's insane i feel like it also just like looks worse than neo 2 which came huh. out a long time ago i think it looks like the same the same okay i think so yeah all right it could just be like neo 2 i feel like had a little more 
color in its cheeks. I don't maybe know. so. I'm also I'm not very far in this game, so maybe maybe I'm just talking nonsense right now. It does. It's it's very similar to the Neo games. It's not. So when you're comparing it like to Dark Souls, it's not really an open world game. It's there's like sandbox missions, yeah, that you explore and kill all the enemies in and fight the final boss. I will say I really like what they did with the levels. The um, what's it called? The morale system. Yeah, the morale I think, system's I cool. I think that's super smart. So basically, each level you come in and you have morale a morale of one. It's basically like a level, and around the level there are like flags, which are basically like your bonfires. You put a flag in, and your morale goes up. You also gain morale by killing enemies. But the thing is, if you die, your morale gets reset. At the start of the level, it goes back to one. But as you set more flags, your minimum possible morale goes up. So, like, by the end, like, my minimum morale is, like, 20 if I do all the flags. So when I die, my morale goes back to 20. And each enemy also has a morale. So, like, you, you kind of get a sense of, like, leveling up within each self-contained level. Which yeah. I, I, I think it works really well. Yeah, I think it really does. I, I feel like the level design in general is lacking, and I feel like if it was better, that would even feel better. But... Yeah, I mean, it, it's really unfortunate, right? Because the obvious point of comparison is FromSoft games, mm-hmm. and f- no, you're not going to beat FromSoft when it comes to level design, or anime right. design, mm-hmm. or right. game feel. You're just you're not gonna beat them, is what I'm getting at. They're really not... fucking good at what they do. Mm-hmm. Their art. This is the their is music. The... Yeah. Souls. Yeah, I do. So I I am. I will say I'm a fan of Neo too because it feels like Dark Souls, but like supercharged. Yeah. Like, I know I just said you're not gonna beat um from soft games in terms of like combat feel, but Neo at least adds a lot more like complexity. There's like different stances. There's different weapon variety. You have a lot more special moves, whereas Dark Souls tends to be like, this is your weapons combo. You know, you press R1 three times, and these are the moves that you do. Whereas Neo's like, oh, well, if you're in high stance, and then you transition to low stance, and then you can transition to mid stance, and then you can do the special move. And it's like, it's a lot more. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if if you're really into the combat, you can get really into the combat. Um... And I feel like that doesn't gel quite so well in a game that's about parrying. I almost feel like it's weird to have all this weapon variety. And again, Caleb, you seem to have a different opinion on the combat than me, where it's more, where it is more combat focused than parry focused. I think so. I also think it's a lot. I think it's a lot slower than something like Sekiro. Mm. I think it's even slower than Neo Two. Weirdly, it's, it is. I Neo Two was like lightning fast. Neo Two is crazy. Yeah, I would have expected the more Sekiro version of the game to be a lot faster than. The Dark yeah. Soulsy version, but it's not really the case. Yeah, I here. agree with that. Yeah, it's um, I mean, it's solid. I don't, yeah. I'm not like floored by it. Mm-hmm. I should mention I'm playing it on Game Pass. So, so far, I've played, a, I've paid a dollar for it. Uh, good, good deal. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm enjoying it for a dollar. I'd Absolutely. play that for a yeah. dollar. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's um, it's pretty good. It's no Sekiro, but it's pretty fun. Alex, how about you? Yeah, uh, just dozens and dozens of hours of Destiny, but also <laughs> uh, recently there was this um, mod collaboration for Celeste that came out. Mm. It's called Strawberry Jam. Clever little title, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, biggest mod collaboration that they've ever done for the game, and it kind of feels like a whole new, you know, Celeste almost. It's like a bunch of new levels. 
they've got them arranged in like these like world maps these overworlds and then you just go into the levels and they have like the traditional celeste stuff like hidden strawberries and stuff like that but um so far i've been really enjoying that they start you off in a beginner lobby and they teach you like they remind you of mechanics that you might have forgotten um for the beginner lobby it's like really simple stuff like you can jump out of space blocks and and things like that like normal things that you would know from base celeste uh and the levels have been like really well done i think the beginner lobby has a lot of like cool mechanic ideas that are in the base game um that are just like fun to play through not too difficult mm-hmm. uh i'm in the intermediate lobby now it's definitely getting a lot harder uh and they remind you of mechanics like the hypers and the supers and like the extended supers extended hyper that kind of thing that's stuff that you would do in chapter nine which you um, still haven't beaten no i have not <laughs> i showed caleb the other day the exact spot where i stopped playing that and he agreed that it was a brutal brutal spot part. which spot where you have to you hit a block one of the blocks that moves slowly and you have to hyper dash under a bunch of hanging crystals to land on it as it's moving oh, and then bounce yep. off of it yep yeah, that part's insane. I tried it so many times, gave up eventually. I after playing a bunch of this, I might go back to chapter nine and see if I can finish it. But you probably we'll see. can. It's weird. Like after, I, like I've been playing a lot of just original Celeste. Um, I'm actually on chapter eight right now, and it's weird how like much better at that game I am the second time around. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I had like something in the neighborhood of like 15 deaths on the first chapter total. It just like. Once you understand the mechanics, the game's very fun. You can figure out how to navigate levels a lot easier than you could just, you know, the basic mechanics. Yep. Amazing game. I had played one of these community-made, like, collaboration mods before. It didn't really click. But I think this one's way better. A lot of the levels kind of match that same spirit of Celeste, the look and feel, the gameplay, feel, all of it, really. The evolution of a mechanic throughout a level, like, teaching you the, the ins and outs of it, and then coming up to like a section that's harder that puts it all together mm-hmm. that sort of thing yep there's a there's a few of the levels that are going to be kind of one-off gimmick gimmicky and they don't they don't feel like they really fit celeste as well but usually they have an interesting mechanic to play with that's so usually not too bad but most of them most of them feel really good feel a lot like celeste a few of them i'd say are on par with less levels mm-hmm. original game levels I really like the levels where you have like an object that you have to go around to get through. Yeah, that's very fun. Those are fun. And they're really well designed. There's a level with a new mechanic where you pick up a a, a dash reset, but it's a special one that's a different color and it lets you dash through solid terrain. Like oh. a uh like, like a, a galaxy block. Galaxy block. That's that was a lot that's of fun. That's cool. The best level in there, I think, it's one of those hot cold levels from Oh yeah, base game, and it has like you can get through it each way, like because there's a switch that flips between hot and cold. But every level, every section of the level can be completed either way, and there's some secrets if you complete it not the straightforward way and do it the opposite. Oh, that's kind of harder, which I think was really cool idea. There's also some low parts. I think there's a couple puzzle levels that I thought were more annoying than interesting. Yeah, that is the case. Um, but I, yeah, for the most part, it's been a lot of fun. I would recommend anybody 
pick it up. Also, modding has got to a state with that game that it's like so streamlined and easy to use now. Very easy to install. It's just like a mod loader that just just works on top of the game. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, Caleb, how about you? What have you been playing? So I been I finished Chained Echoes. I talked about this last yep. month sometime. But I just wanted to bring it up again, kind of sing its praises again, because it is excellent from start to finish. It's so good. Uh, even if you don't like JRPGs, I don't really like JRPGs, but I still love this game. I think you should try it out. If I had played it last year, it would have been on my game of the year list, but wow. I missed it. Much like feels like a Hollow Knight miss. I mean, uh, December eighth. That's like yeah, that's really tough, hard to get on game. Right, it is. Uh, but it's on Game Pass, so you know if you want to pay it for one dollar oh. per month, pretty good. Cool. I'm literally going to install that right now. You should. <laughs> it's excellent. Didn't realize it was on Game Pass. <laughs> Uh, I also picked up the Metroid Prime remake on Switch, oh. uh, but I decided to actually play it emulated on my PC. Crimes. Uh, just because it runs run, runs better, you know. Mm-hmm. Crimes. That game's still great. Uh, the visual updates make it look really good, and the update to the modern shooter controls kind of brings it in line with uh, more modern FPSs. And it's just a really good first-person Metroidvania Unlike Dread, it's a little more focused on puzzles and exploration than on like the boss fights. <laughs> yeah, or platforming. It is. It's way slower paced. I actually, I yes. have not. Um, I've never played through um Metroid Prime oh, until man. this remake. It's, One of my favorite games of all time. I I technically played it when I was younger, but like I don't know. I think I just got like lost and just was like I I can't figure this out. I was too dumb and stupid. No, it's understandable. I think I think it could use a little guidance in some areas, mm. much like yeah. uh, Metroid Dread like kind of guided you around places. I think this one could use a little bit of that because yeah, a, I mean, there's a couple sorry, parts specifically that I can think of where you beat a boss, you get a new power up, it opens a shortcut back to like an area you've been to before. But what the game actually wants you to do is go back like three rooms and find a new pathway to the next objective. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really tell you that. So, you you know, you go using the shortcut, which seems obvious. Yeah. And that's just not where it wants you to go. Yeah, there, there were definitely a few times where I like went what I thought was obviously forward and then had to go, wait, what? Yeah. And I had to like <laughs> open up my map, scroll through like every area and go, okay, there's a door here. Maybe that's it. Yeah, it it could use a little guidance, I think. But it's it's still excellent, and exploring it is fun. Just a little unnecessary backtracking sometimes. Yeah, the music is like whoa, like crazy mm-hmm. atmospheric. Really, really amazing. It really is. Yeah, the bot the boss fights are lacking in that game for sure. They're okay compared to more me- recent Metroids. I mean, it's it's not fair because Dread's boss fights are like holy shit, amazing, like it's incredible, true. like yeah. so good. It's hard to compare that too because it's like you played that so long ago, and they—I mean, it's—it's it's what it is back then, and we've yeah. had so many mm-hmm. amazing things since then. Yeah, and it still—it has has to rely on like the mechanics of how the gameplay worked then, yeah. where you had to like lock on and you couldn't free yeah. game and stuff like that. Right. Right. Oh my god, I I forgot until playing this how fun it was just to run around in Metroid Dread, because <laughs> just running around in Metroid Prime is not that fun. Mm. it's mm. pretty slow and i'm like oh i'll like i'll morph into a ball to roll down this hill and then i'll swatch out no it's very slow it's slow mm. no matter what you do it's not well, it's, amazing it's because it's a strand like game oh my gosh mm. just like destiny yeah yeah it does have a grapple i yep. read that 
the emulated version of the original, not the remaster, uh, they hacked in keyboard and mouse controls. Uh, that would be nice. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. You just aim that with probably the mouse. would be really fun to play. Crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, the last game I've been playing is Bloody Hell. It is a language, Caleb. Yeah. Jeez. Please, children, listen to this probably. <laughs> yeah, this is a family podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a top-down kind of twin-stick shootery Metroidvania. You pay as a, a chicken, I think. You're you're an angel, and I think you're a chicken, and you're sent from heaven to hell to kill Satan. As a and, chicken, uh, as a as a as a an angel. But all the angels are birds of some kind, and I think you're a chicken. That's why yeah. I have wings. The goal is to kill Makes Satan. Sense. <laughs> the goal is to I, kill Satan. Yeah. All right. So, like, if if this were like uh, younger me, <laughs> I would be trying to describe this to my mom. I'd be like, "Mom, the goal of the game is to kill Satan." She'd be like, "Diablo, no, Diablo Two is like the most satanic game. I can't. You're not playing that." Uh, I mean, if you said mom. the name Bloody Hell, I think it would be way worse than if you said Probably. Diablo. Probably. <laughs> It just takes me back. I mean, that was mm -hmm. like, a, man, funny, funny times. Uh, it, it reminds me a lot of Binding of Isaac, weirdly. Oh. It's, it's very bloody. It's got really gory art. And it's kind of a slower than a shmup, but sometimes has bullet helly elements to it. You know, like a, Binding of Isaac feels a little methodical in its bullet hellness. Mm. I don't know how to describe that, really. You know methodical I mean? in its bullet hellness. Nailed it. <laughs> Uh, uh, but this one is a Metroidvania, so there are lots of secrets. Uh, you can upgrade your characters with a relatively unique upgrade system. Um, you start out with a grid that is a plus sign. It's just a three by three plus sign. And you get upgrades that are in various Tetris-like shapes, and you fit them into the grid. And you can also get new grid squares that you can add on wherever you wish to expand your grid mm. and add on more upgrades. Can you do the gritty? <laughs> gritty do the gritty gritty uh it's it's been a lot of fun um most importantly and i don't know why but it's free on steam oh oh, oh. open yeah, right. next yeah, time yeah i was gonna say lead with that <laughs> yeah what are we doing here stalling right now so yep free on steam and it's i've been having a lot of fun with it uh, I'll go next. I don't really have much to talk about because I've been very, very busy. Uh, I have not played a lot of video games. Of course, I've been playing some Destiny in preparation for the raid, but mostly been working on uh, playing uh, Van Life Builder 2023, which has been fun. Did some snowboarding. But I did want to mention one thing I have been doing a lot of recently, which is uh, I've been reading Project Hail Mary, which is Andy Weir's most recent book. Um, Andy Weir, who wrote The Martian. Oh. I'm sure you guys have seen the movie. Uh, he also wrote Artemis, and then he wrote Project Hail Mary. Uh, this book is incredible. Just want to put it out there. If you want like a good in the in the vein of the Martian read, love this book. Um, it's very unique, and they are making a movie out of it. Mm. I have. Uh, it's going to have uh, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. I have no freaking clue how Emma Stone's character is going to work, but very very excited to see it. Uh, if you read the like book, you'll understand why. Together. I know they do. I know they mm -hmm. do. Um, it do makes no sense for this book, but I guess <laughs> they have adapted it so that it makes sense. Yeah, sure. You we, finally um... will be one of those people that's like, the book was better. I can't believe they changed it to be like this. <laughs> uh, I'm already that person. Ready Player One, baby. The oh, book sure. is way better. Yeah, yeah. Right, sure, it sure, really sure. is better. Are we retitling uh, 
YBPL to YBDL? What have you been doing, doing lately? lately? No, not really. It's just I've been so freaking busy. I haven't played any video games. So I wanted to get something in there. Mm-hmm. And we've made other changes, so why not this one? Yeah, what have you been doing? What have you been doing lately? Van Builder. Uh, Owen, what have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing this game called Son of the Forest, sequel to The Forest. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was very much like The Forest, which, you know, spooky uh and uh i i think that they had a lot of nice quality of life improvements in there uh which really helped the uh gameplay of the game one of the things that is you get a little companion and you can tell the companion to be like hey go get me a bunch of logs or go get me some food or go do this uh and i really love that because then i can concentrate on doing something else or I could, you know, while I'm building my base and that person's getting the logs, you know, I, I'm not stuck in the resource gathering part of the game. I can concentrate on either the base building or the the fighting of the cannibals part of the game or the exploration part of the game. Um, also, there's like a zip line uh, system that you can build which I think is really cool because then you can, if you find yourself frequently going to a specific part of the island, you can set up a zip line that way and then you can get there even faster and then you don't have to be on the ground and deal with the cannibals if you don't want to. You can just be like, hey, I've explored the shit out of this part. I've made this zip line. I never have to look at this part again if I don't want to. I still can, but like I can also just zip past it and get to one of the, you know the cave that I've been exploring or the other end of the island. Um, so I think that's pretty cool. Uh, I, I really dug that. Um, I also feel like I don't know. I, I don't remember much of my time playing the original forest, other than just kind of building my treehouse and then fighting off crazy huge um, monster things with like eight arms or whatever. Uh, but this one, I felt like I had a direction at least mm. when I was like, okay, I've built my base. I've got some, I've got some ammo. I've got some weapons and things. Well, what do I do now? And there's like a little GPS tracker. And so mm. I was like, okay, cool. I can go to one of the GPS spots and explore whatever's there. And maybe it's something that I, you know, will need to come back to. Maybe it's something that I can find something in that'll be useful and I can, I can then use it somewhere else. Uh, but that's kind of neat that it's got uh, some of the caves in little GPS uh, locations. Some of the caves you only see once you get like close enough to it that it'll pop up on your little mini map and be like, there's a cave there. And I'm like, okay, cool. And all of the caves are worth out, are worth exploring because it's either something important, like there's gear or something in there, or there's something fun, like just a skeleton in a chair. And you're kind of like, oh, that's neat. This is a weird ice cave with a skeleton in a chair. Like, cool. Um, I do feel like the the forest, the OG forest, like the lack of direction after you've built a base is just part of what the game was at the time. That game was in mm-hmm. early access for I, years. Yeah. I don't, like, did it ever come out? It did. It okay. finally did. And it actually has a story. And I think it is... It I, I could it be does. wrong, but I think it's loosely related to the story of Sons of the Forest. It is, kind okay. of. Uh, okay. It's the, kind of. The only it, thing that is similar and somehow connected is that both of them deal with a remote area and some sort of 
uh, weird artifact like thing right. that is making people not people anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, so the, there, there's kind of that happening. I, I think like I mean you're spot on. I'm sure this has like way more content and and directs you in the right you know area to go and like it feels like there's like a next step in the game the forest just very much to me felt like an experiment mm -hmm. like it, it was in in its early access stages it was very much an experiment of like all right how do a small group of people play and interact with this game and once we figure that out we're gonna put this in further development and figure out how to take this to the next level it never really felt like anything more than just that like we went and we built a treehouse and then travis lit it on fire and killed everybody <laughs> you know it's like it's good times um but there's just never anything there it was very much just like an experimental early access game yeah mm. they're definitely i i remember playing it and just being like okay i built my thing i want to explore around a little bit and yeah. like, I either wouldn't find whatever I'm trying to explore for, or I'd find something and I'm just like, I'm not nearly prepared enough to go into that thing. I like, yeah. whatever it is, like, it's just so whatever, I'm not ready to make that jump. Whereas this, I constantly felt pretty on par. Like, I never felt like I was undergeared. There were some times that I was like, I could tell that I was like, oh, I need to find an upgrade soon because the th the new big things that are starting to spawn in the overworld are not dying to whatever I'm, I've been doing. Uh, but at no point in time did I ever feel like I was like, oh, I can't fight it at all. I just need to run. I was like, oh, okay, I'll just like go find a new thing at some point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I and I agree, like, with out having that kind of gps push of where to go yeah you just kind of would walk around and if you didn't find anything you're like cool and then you just log off because you didn't find anything yeah uh, whereas here it's just like okay i know where i can find some things and i can progress my story right did you play anything else uh, I mean, yeah, I've been playing a lot of Sims and Apex because I guess I like EA games. I don't really have a good answer why. I just, you know, sometimes I feel like I need to be playing something a little shootery and twitchy and no one's on for Overwatch and I don't want to play it by myself. So yep. I just have been playing a little Apex and uh, Sims is fun. It's chaotic. It's a good time to just kind of build houses and do stuff. I just built a Sim whose entire, like mission was to become president and sleep with every single person that voted for them um, wow okay that sounds like a, <laughs> uh something brock would do in the sims game yeah. Barack? so that was obama that was a good time I yeah that. barack that sounds like something barack would do in the sims <laughs> the heck alex you said the sims, which reminded me of sims city which reminded me they announced a new uh city builder what was it called uh oh city yeah skylines. yeah the new city skylines that's gonna yeah. have rats did did you see their claim about the size of the city that you can build? No. How big of a city can you and, build in it? In the first one, you had nine tiles to work with by default. And it was like a pretty big city. It was like bigger than what you could do in, in uh, the last SimCity they put out that me and Abe and Aaron tried to play. It was very disappointing. Um, and then there was mods for that game that unlocked it to like the highest possible degree that you could do, which was 81 tiles. Apparently the new game is going to be 150 tiles by default. That's, that's uh, so many. People have been wondering if the 150 tiles is not 
the same tile size as the previous game. And oh, like might... the, the tiles are different size? Yeah. Mm. So there might not actually False be advertising. So that's huge city. Marketing, baby! <laughs> I mean, there's no evidence one way or the other. I mean... That's some is this is City Sky, is that an EA one? No. I don't think so. Is it? Okay. So. Okay, so maybe it could be true. EA is SimCity, okay. and City Skylines came out to be like, we know that SimCity came out and was terrible, so here's a good thing. So here's a good one. <laughs> kind of like how the planet blanks showed up when they were like, oh yeah, you want a Sim Coaster game or you know a, yeah. a Coaster Tycoon? Let's let's go with Planet Coaster and same mm-hmm. thing with the, the Zoo one. Oh, you like Zoo Tycoon? Here's Planet Zoo, and I was like, wow, these are way better. <laughs> You don't make a good one of the thing that you're good at doing. Other people will do it. Yeah, yeah. someone will show up and one. make it. Like your Stop face it. It, every time. You don't make a good one of the thing you're doing. <laughs> all right, he's, he's, he's you got. Know, if you didn't say do. anything about it at all, the people that listen to the audio, they would just never know. They would just yeah, never know. That's about true. That's true. never know that you got your like brow down while you're like, staring <laughs> blankly. I, I just, I don't know how you can do it because if I was playing a Nightfall, I wouldn't even be able to have a normal conversation. I like, man, nope, <laughs> ain't no way. I'm playing with the game muted. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. I'm dude. just on autopilot. Uh-huh. I'm just. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Chad, last but not least, Chad, what have you been playing lately? Well, there's this game called Destiny Two. Yeah, mm-hmm. playing that it. once or twice. Playing the crap out of that. Um, Guild Wars Two. So I've uh, been playing a little bit of that too. About a month ago, a month and a week ago, uh, decided that I'd start leading raids. Um, so we got our little Fellowship of the Quaggins Guild, and we are pumping, pumping through some raid content. And when I say pumping, I mean the train is actually screeching to a halt on every bus. So uh, it's it's been fun, though, because I think a lot of the people in the group have... Uh, never experienced raids uh their experience of guild wars is the basic story basic open world uh a little bit of world versus world which doesn't take that much uh mind power or uh positioning or mind um, power you just kind of just kind of go in hold w key listen to a commander say you know double dodge through aoe's and blah blah so you get to raids and there's like all these mechanics of uh, you know, X player has to stand here because they have a fixate, uh, because there's no actual uh, tank inside of Guild Wars. Um, there is toughness, though, so you can put on armor that has more toughness, and the boss will usually go for them. Uh, but there's things that they've developed called fixates, which are uh, purple diamond, or sometimes could be red, blue. There's a diamond that goes above your head uh, that you know that you have the boss's aggro. You have to, like, position the boss away from the group. The group has to stand behind the boss. Uh, different mechanics, such as uh, on like the boss Gorsival, big uh, big baddie in the middle with some tentacles, uh, likes to baby rage a lot to where he like slams on the ground. Uh, lots of black goo uh, that you kind of stand in, hurts you. Um, there's wind walls on uh, the left and right of him. Uh, it's kind of like a circular uh, wind wall, but you know you can go left or right and you kind of kill the wind wall to jump out because basically what he does, uh, he spear bombs the entire platform and it will kill the entire group. Uh, basically a white mechanic. Um, but if you kind of just run off to the left and you time it correctly, break the wall, uh, Guild Wars has something called a glider. So you basically just, you know, jump off, tap your space bar again, you have a glider, go over to a wind tunnel, brings you back up, back onto the platform, 
you know, mechanics like that. It's kind of cool, kind of fun. Uh, I got to make call outs for all that, but because, you know, people either don't know, not paying attention, you know, or, you know, it's just, it's just a thing that when you're amongst 10 people, just want to make sure you remind them, Hey, we're about to have to go break that wall or Hey, you know, stun the boss now, stuff like that. So it's been fun. I think it's, uh, it's been a lot of, a lot of fun times. Um, Alex is healing for us. Kate's doing damage. Uh, mom and dad are doing damage. I'm doing damage. There's only two healers in the group of 10. So, um, but yeah, we've, uh, we got through the first wing broken into wings. Wings one through four are uh, heart of thorn stuff. Wings five through seven is path of fire. Uh, we tried wing four, got through two bosses of the four, and then we called it quits. Um, Pretty much every run is a quote-unquote training run where you're basically going to die a lot until you figure out the fight. Uh, but the first wing, I think we actually do have pretty down. If we went back and did it, I think we could kind of clean it up rather rapidly. Um, but yeah, that's that's what we've been doing in Guild Wars. And last but not least, the video game that I've been playing, because I haven't really been playing much, uh, is Hogwarts Legacy is uh it's pretty fun it's um your typical harry potter worlds i mean you're not, you're at hogwarts you're a wizard um you're a wizard harry yeah you're, you're a wizard yeah. the story is from what i understand a prequel like it's uh way before actual harry potter like a hundred years in the past yeah okay um you're following a you know you develop a wizard you choose a house that you want to be in and you pretty much just get lots of side quests and you go through and you just, you know, smack things. Kind of like a, your God of War or your, uh, what, what, did you, what did you describe it as, Alex? I keep somebody on comparing it to Arkham, right? Arkham, yeah, Arkham Combat. Yeah, it's essentially Arkham, Arkham Combat. Combat. Yeah. It's, but like know, ranged, weirdly? Ranged, you're doing combos, you're doing parries, you, you have like... The way I describe it is spidey senses. So over, like right on your head, it'll glow yellow, and that means you can parry it. And if it glows red, then that means that you can't, and you just have to dodge. Like that's a mechanic um, straight from Arkham. It's yeah. got the the stuff from Arkham where like you, all the enemies have a specific way you're supposed to counter their defense first before you can kill them. Hmm. Yeah, like there's a there's a toad looking thing, and he like tries to lick you, and what you do is you accio his tongue, and then after you do that you're able to hit his underbelly. And so, uh, it's, it's real cool. When you Accio his tongue, does your character say Accio tongue? <laughs> no, just Accio. Oh, that's too bad. That's yeah, so just, lame. They just yeah. say all the spells. <laughs> they didn't um, record enough voice lines to Accio every specific thing. I think mean, okay, so many early things on in the, the game. game. They talk about silent spell casting. I mean, like early, <laughs> like yeah. an hour and 15 minutes in, they're like, Oh, I've been working on silent spell casting, which, I mean, if you watch the movies or read the books, it's like not something that happens all that often. I mean, they just yeah. say the name of the spell when they cast it. They um, they don't have a lot of voice lines. Like you go to Hogsmeade, and it's like, oh, I guess all paths lead to Hogsmeade. And then every time you use a a flu flame, it's just like you can't imagine what traveling was like before flu flames were invented. And it's just <laughs> like you just, flu lady. Yeah, you constantly She's hear those obnoxious. lines. One of them is like, I used to be an adventurer like you. <laughs> um, I think the side quests are like re like really cool. Uh, digs into more lore than just what you're going through on the the front end. Uh, it kind of actually breaks it up to where if you want to unlock your spells, you have to go through the side quests. So mm -hmm. you can't just 
pummel through the main story. Um, you also can get the death curses, which is kind of cool. Um, there's also different rings and stuff that you can go into, which is like wave based. Uh, there's like five waves of bad guys. They give you uh, the curses and you can go through and try to test your abilities. And I sat way too long in the beginning trying to farm out that and probably shouldn't have probably probably should have leveled up because uh, the rest of the game was a freaking cakewalk and mm. I'm playing on the hardest difficulty. So <laughs> uh, something tells me I shouldn't have done that and I should have uh, gone through the story main story a little bit further. I started talking to Alex and I was like, bro, I I'm level 15 and I'm just now unlocking traits, which you're supposed to do at like level five or something like that. It's, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, there's a there's some called level, yeah. there's some called ancient magic that's just randomly in there. That's their uh, gimmick for your character to be special. Yeah, your character is just a normal human that just randomly got magic at one point, and it's just like, hey, yo, I'm incredible at everything you're, to do with magic ever. If your wizard existed for real in the Harry Potter universe, he would be the most powerful wizard in history, super easily. <laughs> like if your wizard existed for real. Like in the fictional Harry Potter. Like if Harry, if he showed up and Voldemort was there being all like, Oh, I'm so strong, he would kill Voldemort in like a second. Yeah. Like they're it, just like, hey, you learn the skill, and then you learn it, and then and then they're like, Oh my gosh, you're you a master, master of this spells spell. Instantaneously. And I mean, they can cast them without saying the spell anymore. It, doesn't and, that Go yeah what no you I, I was just gonna say doesn't that tie into like the premise of like what starts this story yeah you because are of the whole like a person that has never been exposed to magic before the beginning of the game essentially and you were just a master wizard in a matter of seconds like <laughs> outclassing all of your other fifth years i mean they do say like at the beginning of the game they're like Oh, well, you've shown much, much better capabilities than people of your age, which is why you're bringing in Hogwarts in a, as a fifth year. Yeah. Yeah. And then the whole like old magic that you can somehow see and read and interact with sort of thing. I don't know. It's gotta, so funny. You can ask some side quests where you go to class. So you actually get to experience like being a Hogwarts student. You get to like, uh, the plant class or like the potions class or like, you know, stuff like that. So then after you go through those classes, uh, you can, you get a room of red. What is the room? Requirement. Room, room requirement. There we go. Uh, and then you're able to build it out. It starts opening into like different wings. Um, and you can actually like put plants in there to grow for like crafting craft some potions so that you could have your heal potions and your power potions and stuff like that. Uh, and then it starts opening up uh, to where you can actually have like pet play pens. And so you can start breeding pets and catching them and throwing them in there. Cool stuff. It's really, it's really interesting. If you're, if you're in any type of uh, Hogwarts stuff, it's be cool. I, uh, I started playing this, but like on my first like couple hours I was playing, I got to this point where I like was, interacting with some lore elements that I really wanted to talk to Janae about. Hmm. So I go upstairs and I'm like, Hey babe, there's this thing in Hogwarts. I don't want to hear about it. I'm like, <laughs> she's like, well, I want to play the game. I'm like, all right, well, listen, I'm going to pause. Cause I want to experience this with you because she is the most like Hogwarts person that okay. I know, like Harry Potter person that I know. I mean, she's literally on a plane right now back from, 
Harry Potter World, Universal Studios Orlando, where she was for the past three days doing Harry Potter stuff. I so and she knows more about lore than anybody that I've met. So anytime I bring something up or try to bring up a new factoid, she's already heard about it like six months ago. She backed it like on Kickstarter two years ago. ago. She like always, always knows everything about it. And so in this game, there's like there's elements that I kept hearing and seeing and i'm like oh that's really cool because i know how that works in the books or in the movies and so like to me i kind of want to experience this with her simultaneously she doesn't even play video games normally yeah so, so you're never gonna play it is what you're telling me yeah well she's, she's talking about going to halftime at work you know so there's that we'll, we'll wow. see yeah like is this like she's talking about quitting or yeah yeah about like okay. that yeah anyway so we'll she see. will never play that video game <laughs> maybe hey maybe i have an extra pc down here maybe she'll use it we'll see uh before we get off of here i did want to mention one thing while we were uh talking about random things i i noticed that there is a site that gives you a raid report for destiny and it gives you stat rankings based on all of the other guardians who've ever done raids oh, wow i do want you guys to know that i am a gold four rank speed which is the top 30 percent of all guardians who have completed raids wow uh we have i have personally cleared 16 i know multiple of us have cleared that or close to that however i was looking at the stats in this and i'll send you guys the link the number one person in this destiny raid report is a guy named icy nip seven and importantly Importantly, if you look at his stats, you're like, all right, King's Fall, 13 clears. Vow the Disciple, 23 clears. Uh, Out of Sorrow, 64 clears. Then you get over to Deep Stone Crypt, 9,844 clears. <laughs> what? That's his average only... is 17 and a half minutes, and his fastest clear is 11 minutes and 13 seconds. Okay, Jeez. so he's just trying to speedrun this constantly. He has yeah, 976,000 kills. And he has played, you ready for this? He has played a total oh, of boy. 158 days and four hours just in the Deep Stone Crypt. Which, by the way, is not even one of the best raids by a landslide. It's cool, but it is not up there. That's more hours in that than I think Alex has in Dota. Wow. In yeah. that one raid. Yeah. That's... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think this is a win for me. <laughs> uh, also, he has. If you look at his stats, he has multiple raids that list as flawless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we so, gotta. Get there. I mean, nobody no died. deaths. No deaths. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, we're gonna do that tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> Last wish, flawless. Garden of Salvation, flawless. Deepstone Crypt, flawless. Um, he duoed and trioed multiple raids. I don't even know how you do that on some of those. Mind boggling. You just you don't invite more people. You just go. Out <laughs> I, I like how you had to list Deep Stone Crypt for him. Flawless. Like you would think after Imagine after, after nine days. Days. That was one of the ones. <laughs> like he didn't. Uh, that's true. That's true. I didn't even need to mention that. Anyway. All right. Well, uh, that's all we got this week. We will be back in two weeks, though. I think we're probably going to record our podcast before that Thursday, because technically that Thursday we will be in Boston for PAX East. Yeah. I'll post so it maybe we will record it earlier or something. I don't know quite what our plan is, but we definitely want to do a pre-pup, pre-pep, sorry, pre-pep, not pre-pup. Um, so look forward to that. We're excited about going to PAX again, uh, eating some Chinese food. 
uh, some dim sum, uh, mm-hmm. getting a lobster roll, and then oh, yeah. seeing all the new video games. Very exciting. So uh, join us back in two weeks. And uh, if you want, come check us out tomorrow. We're going to be invading uh, Jake's stream night for a raid. Mm-hmm. So that's very exciting. It's his first official raid. And it that's is our true. first time as a group doing a brand new raid on launch day for contest mode. So we're very excited about that. So does Gardens thanks of Salvation not what? count? Uh, no, we didn't play that on launch day. Uh, well, you said first official raid. I mean, are we saying that official raid is launch day raid? That's a fi- like first, any no, raid we've day. ever done is an official. Saying our, this is our f- official first time of doing a raid on launch day. That's new. Oh, okay. Like okay, we cool, did Kings Fall on launch re-release. day, but it's a re yeah, it's a re-release. So, anyway, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we'll catch you next time. See you. This week's podcast was edited by me, Aaron Juno. Other voices this week include Alex McCoslin, Chad McCoslin, Jake John Fetterkyle, Caleb Juno, and Owen Patterline. This week's music was again brought to you by Amer. You can check out his music on Spotify, or you can also check it out on soundcloud.com forward slash Amer. Additionally, you can check out everything that we do, We Are The Horizon, at our website, www.wearethehorizon.com. We have a lot of video posts as well as links to other content we've done in the past. You can also check out our new series, The Discordant Signal, a multi-arc Starfinder adventure, live on Twitch every Monday at 8 p.m. and then out on YouTube and whatever podcasting app you are using at 6 p.m. on Thursdays. Again, thanks so much for joining us and we'll catch you next time.